Blog Talk Radio. to another lovely edition of RundgrenRadio.com. Cruiser Mail and I have lots of good stuff for you tonight. We're going to be running our mouse for about 30 minutes with announcements, and we have a couple of special guests to continue our TR's Musical Survival Camp Series. We will have counselors Janet Kirker and Paul Myers, who has been a frequent guest on our show, always a blast. Of course, you know he has written the recent Todd book, and we got announcements and announcements and announcements. And maybe we might even get a call from Randy the Roadie. He's another counselor for the show. Good deal. Yeah, how about how about that? We just got through seeing Randy, of course, on the Todd Healing Tour a few months ago, it seems like. Time flies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to tonight, hearing what Janet and Paul have to say, what they're going to be doing at the camp. And uh, we want all you guys to try to get to that camp, okay? Hopefully they'll have an answer what they're doing. We haven't got a lot of those yet, but we'll get one maybe tonight. <laughs> Janet is. Uh, we're going to play a little song that she did too. She was a singer for about ten years. I think she works for a big record company now, and uh, that should be pretty interesting because she will be a first-time guest for us. All right, let's move on to some announcements, Cruiser Mouth, shall we? Right, go ahead. Since it's our show, we can talk about what we want. Let's talk about some stuff we're doing outside of the Todd Rundgren world. Of course, some of it. Always has some connection. Well, let's start with Gary Myrick and the figures. We're doing some gigs in Texas. Our new company, Onward Promotions, a subsidiary of Rungan Radio. We got Gary in Dallas, Houston. Wait, let's see. It goes Dallas, Austin, and then Houston, June mm-hmm. 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Right. And Gary, of course, opened for Todd. We've had him on our show before back in the, I believe it was the 90s. And so there's a connection there. Well, no, and, he opened. He opened for Todd back in the nineties. He wasn't on our show in the nineties. <laughs> no, we weren't. We weren't available in the nineties. No. Should have been. It would have been kind of fun. Of course, I'm not sure Al Gore had invented the internet by then. Right. <laughs> I don't remember. But we have some late breaking news as a possibility. Anyway. Mhm. I'm not even looking at the chat room. Is anybody listening to us tonight, Cruiser Mail? Yeah. Yeah. They say Very they've good. got sound and chat, and uh, they're ready to go. Gotta love it. We may, I think it will happen in Houston, have an opening act that features none other than the drummer, or one of the drummers, from Todd's first two albums, Runt, and the ballad of Todd Rundgren. Mm-hmm. His name is Hunt Sales. Yay! That's right. Yep, from the Sales Brothers, Hunt and Tony Sales. Hunt has a band called Hunt Sales Memorial. And then we may have them as an opener. Hunt was um, has been on our show, of course, on the Runt Review Show, and we had him, him and Tony when they came out with their album. And uh, he was on Todd's first two albums, as we mentioned. He's also uh, with David Bowie as part of Ten Men. Right. Or Ten Can. And he knows it was. Myrick, or at least knows of Myrick. <laughs> yep, he knows who Gary is. So hopefully that will happen, and we can get some Todd fans out there to come party with us. That's in Please. Houston at Warehouse. 
Warehouse Live in the studio. Austin is at Momo's from 8 to 9, and then Dallas is at Trees again. We had a great turnout at Trees, and we expect the same. We had some good people there. We got dressed in 80s. It was all good. Yeah, and we're bringing the Monco Poncho around again, too. What a fun band. For that Dallas show. And yeah. Machine. <laughs> I knew I'd get people riled up. Ten can, ten men. I know what it is. Come on now. I've just never been into the Bowie that much. But uh, anyway, there you go. That's what we got going on. We also have Brian yeah, McKnight, Birmingham, Alabama, June the 11th. A Brian wonderful McKnight. Cannot wait for that show. That'll be on a Saturday night. Don't expect a lot of Todd fans there, but if you do happen to be there, come say hello to me. And Mel. And me. Alabama Theater, June 11th, Brian McKnight. Let's see. We have still no news on Akron, Ohio. Well, we do know that uh, the band that we intimated last time uh, that we were working on uh, ended up having some scheduling issues. But we left with a very good feeling about them, and uh, we will probably work with them in the future. Yes, we had a little Mark uh, had some film work to do for part of it. We, had, we, had, we were going to do three gigs, so we couldn't get them all done and scheduling conflict. But that's all right. We got plan B, or technically plan C, since Todd was plan A. We're not afraid to admit, but Cleveland gig booking messed that up. Um, and we should be making that announcement probably this week. And I think... I may be surprised. I know not a lot of Todd fans are going to be in love with this idea. But then again, it's not about you because Todd's not going to be there. <laughs> but we would love to have you there because it makes it more fun. And we do know there are some Todd fans that appreciate this musician. And this musician appreciates Todd Rundgren. Yes, has done a cover song, Love is the Answer. Mm-hmm. There's your hint. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully, you... We'll be interested in it when we announce it. I'm trying to give him another hint, Cruiser Mail. Let me think if I can think of one. Hmm. Oh, um, one hmm. time when we had Mary Lou Arnold's husband on for his birthday. He was on this show a couple of years ago on his birthday. And we played a portion of a song by this person hmm. it was for Mary Lou Arnold's husband mm, Jesse Grass yes mm. there's a Must hint mean the name Jesse is in the song perhaps perhaps mm. alright very good and we're working on an opener for that so uh, could be big time in Akron Ohio Labor Day weekend we still have the hotel etc alright let's talk about this camp Let's do. Let's do it. We have some new, that is correct, new counselors. As a matter of fact, counting Todd, there are now 16 different counselors for this camp. You want to talk about some serious one-on-one time, you're going to get it. Let's give a rundown, shall we? Sure. You have Todd, of course. You have Greg Hawks, who we're going to be talking about in a minute as well. Janet Kirker, our guest tonight. Jesse Gress, who we just spoke about, because we are good friends with his wife, who is Todd's tour manager, Mary Lou. Girl. And Chasm <laughs> Sultan. Lynn Robnett from Eric's office. 
Michelle Rungren from Todd's Home. Lenny K, Patty Smith Group, of course, Prairie Prince. We all know and love Prairie. He was our guest recently in our series. Rachel Colt, clothing designer for AWOT's Todd Healing Tour, one of them. Pete Fornatel, a great radio interviewer who did yeah. the mixed bag interview during the Liars Tour, which is fantastic. And the new additions, Chuck, I think they're new, Chuck Silber from New Tech. He's the COO, Chief Operating Officer, which is a video company. And they've also added Don Balance, who is the Director of Training for New Tech. Paul Myers, who will also be our guest. He has been added as a counselor. And then last, but certainly not least, Randy Brown, Randy the Roadie. Camp details can be found at tr-i.com. At the bottom, you will see a link to the TR Musical Survival Camp, which is June 20th through the 24th, 2011. Be there or be square. <laughs> Not really. You don't have to be there or be square. But if you can go, it's in the foothills in lovely New York. Nice place. Yeah. Lots of fun, okay. I'm sure. We got a few peeps going that we know. Mm-hmm. CLB, who has called in to let everybody know all the guests that we've had, so I'll expect her to call in tonight. <laughs> and um, you know, some other folks. I guess there, I'm not there sure. There will also during that camp be the uh, the the show at the Bearsville Theater that will kick off the summer tour. Uh, that show is on the 23rd of June, the day after Mr. Rundgren's 63rd birthday. That is correct. There you have it. And if you're a camper, you get some kind of VIP privileges and, you know, maybe get up front or get in early. I don't know what the privilege is, but you know you're going to be treated super good. Yes, Bearsville gig. Bearsville is about a 400 to 500 capacity venue. Uh, Always a good place to see Tide. A lot of history there. Great little venue. Looks like a barn kind of on the outside. Real popular. I think that will be a blast for people. Even if you don't go to the camp, you can go to the show. Of course, of course. How about that? Yeah. Hey, speaking about camp, rewind about about, uh, three or four months ago when Todd did the My Record Fantasy Camp out in Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah, some of those people that were campers have decided to have a little reunion tomorrow night in New York City at the P&G Bar. And that's Wednesday, May 18th, uh, the P&G Bar. They're going to be doing a bunch of Todd songs, a bunch of Utopia songs, just a, a nice jam session. They're calling themselves the Hot Toddies. <laughs> and here's a bonus. The whole thing, the whole gig, any kind of money that's made off of it is going to ShiningStill.com, which is that uh, compassion fund for Japan, the sufferers of the tsunami and the earthquakes. Wow. So it's a win-win for everybody. So if you're somewhere near... Manhattan, get out and go see the Hot Toddies at the My Record Fantasy Camper Reunion. It'll be fun. Don Sloven heading that up, I believe. James Van Wert's in that band. Daniel from Brazil. and um, Laura Botton. Um, yeah. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see. Don Sloven, of course. Did you already say that? Yeah, I think Don, though, we're going to have to... Get on to him. I don't think he had any idea that uh, EJ had already claimed Oh Hot Toddies. It's the name of her website. Yeah, he I'm apparently just, is not in the loop on that. We will have I'm to scold him. I'm just the news here. <laughs> or maybe he named it after her website. Could be. Could be. Perhaps. We'll just pretend that he did. <laughs> All right, we got 
the cars, we mentioned Greg Hawks as a camp counselor. The cars are on tour, if you didn't know it. It's been very interesting. We can talk about that for a minute. But the um, the tour is still on. I will be at the New York show, by the way. Say hello to me, please, on the 25th. I may be obnoxious and wear my black and white check pants. I may chicken out. But you still know what I look like, so say hello, please, if you are there. The reviews are in, and they're not going very well. Now, fans are liking it, most of them, but the good old rock critics are, of course, as expected, uh, discussing the fact that Rick Ocasek is a zombie and stands still during the show. And some have even fessed up that they believe that the new Cars was a better set list and a better show and a better front man. Not that they're telling us anything we didn't already know. If we attended the new car shows, which Mel and I did several times, loved that show. But no, nothing bad about Greg, of course. We know Greg Hawks is doing well. As a matter of fact, I've heard that he's having a blast up there uh, from people that have seen the shows that he's moving around having a good time. So props to Greg Hawks and Elliot and the rest of the band. And I'm sure Rick sounds fine. I'm still looking forward to going to see the show. I've never seen the cars, so that'll be fun. But uh, I will give you my personal opinion if you're interested next time we have a show <laughs> after that concert. Then, yeah. following that night, just right down the road, in case you didn't know, Chasm Sultan will be doing a show at the Record Collector in Bordentown, New Jersey, which is about a 50-capacity or so venue. It's got about 40 chairs and then some standing room only. It's a very intimate place, a great place. Lots of famous people play there. Peter Tork goes there a lot. B.B. Buell's been there. Chasm's been there before, and they've invited him back. Um, most of the seats are already gone. Actually, I called and got some, and they were just about gone. So if you want to go to that show, don't wait. It's only like 15 bucks or something. Uh, as a matter of fact, it seems like a lot of people are going that we know. And I say a lot, you know. The people that are going, a lot of them we know. So we're going to put together a pre-show dinner party with all the fans that are going. So if you're interested, please email me at Doug at com. We're looking at a place called Jester's Cafe, I believe it is, mm-hmm. but I haven't locked it in. Cool. So suggestions are welcome. Dee Dee Miles will be there. She is, of course, from the Todd Healing choirs of several shows. Mm-hmm. The, um, what do they call them? The Grendels? The Gren- Grendels. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I forgot to block out my caller waiting, so somebody's trying to call me during the show. How embarrassing is that? (laughs) Well, at least your phone's working so far, so good. All right. Can you hear that? Can you hear somebody trying to beep through? Yes, sir. Really? Interesting. I didn't know that other people could. I will not get that call, people. Good, So the new cars, I mean, uh, the cars are out, and they have a new album. Chasm Show, then he's also going to be where, Cruiser Mouth? Oh, uh, well, on the 28th of May, he's going to be performing in Pompano Beach, Florida uh, for uh, Rockers in Recovery. And the show is that afternoon from 1.30 to 6.30, and there's several other people on the bill. I'm not sure exactly what time Chasm's going to be performing, but uh, if you want to find information, go to rockersinrecovery.com and read about this free show in Pompano Beach, Florida on the 28th. Wow, great place to be, Pompano Beach, for a good cause. Two shows for a good cause we've already brought up tonight. Yeah, that's right. That's right. About it. Yep. Let's Speaking see. of gigs, we got plenty of segues for gigs. <laughs> Todd and Daryl, 
will be following the evening of Chasm. They will be at Atlantic City on the 27th of May, right before Labor Day. Well, it is Labor Day weekend, technically, if you count Friday as a weekend day. And uh, that's going to be at the Borgata and the Music Box, I think they call it. Um, That show still has tickets available, believe it or not. It's a thousand capacity venue, very intimate. I've heard great things about every seat there that's a great venue. You know that the show is going to be great because it's Todd and Daryl Hall. We've seen them only live from Daryl's house. This will be the first live from Daryl's house show that's uh, done in front of an audience. Don't think they're going to film it. I haven't heard that anyway. I think they're just trying to see if they can take this on the road. And we'll see. Who knows? Well, support this show, and that way that uh, then they'll they'll have some more maybe. Uh, if you say so. Well, they can try at least. Yeah. Um, wouldn't that have been a wonderful show for Akron? Oh, you're killing me. Yeah. Of course it would. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, me sad. Me sad. Anyway, we uh, we tried. We put forth an effort, by the way. In fact, we begged. And <laughs> Daryl's uh, guys just felt like that they could do better in Atlantic City, and they were wrong. So there, to them. Yeah. I guarantee you we could have done over a thousand in Akron. As a matter of fact, I would bet we could do over two thousand in Akron if we'd had that show first. Mhm. Don't it. get me started. <laughs> Too late it sounds like. <laughs> on agents and their lunacy. Because it could go all night and we gotta take Janet's call in a little while. All right. Um again another segue. Speaking of gigs, Todd has a ton of them. He's doing a tour in the summer. I've got, believe it or not, I'm getting emails from people asking me about this tour. Now, number one, y'all all know Todd doesn't give the set list up. Matter of fact, we tried to get some stuff out of him when he was on the show a few weeks ago. But here's the deal um, We do know it's a five piece band. John Forensic is joining the usual suspects Jesse, Prairie, and Chasm, and Todd. So that's good. We suspect, and Todd, you know, kind of went back and forth about it, but it sounds like to us that there will be some reproduction, the new album that's coming out, the My Record Fantasy album, which we played a little bit of starting the show. And then what some people are billing as a best of, and as Todd mentioned and we've heard, there will be like an electric set, meaning electric guitar for the first set, then a acoustic set followed by yet another even more exciting electric set this is a um, performance art center type strategy it's what how they do shows and that's how they're going to do it so i don't know what the set list is going to look like but you know we'll know soon enough when the first gig happens which is when cruiser mail well 623 in woodstock new york at the bearsville theater thank you there you go. Right That's in there where we all going to start. A month and a week. That's another reason to get your happy ass up to the music survival <laughs> camp, so you'll already be in the area. Yes, but since those shows were announced, we had, uh, we've had we had some more added. One of them was in um, Salisbury, Mass, on September 14th, and that show will sell out. It's a very small venue. It's all tables. And last time he was there, it was a very good Johnson show, and it sold out, I believe. So if you want tickets to that, you need to get them tonight. 
because if there's any left, assuming. I don't think word's gotten out about that gig yet. We also have from a very good source inside information that they're looking for other dates around that time on the East Coast, including Pennsylvania, New Jersey. So there you go. Ooh. Wow, you're just killing uh, it tonight. Excuse me, Salisbury Beach. It's not just Salisbury Steak, it's Salisbury Beach. Okay. <laughs> I'll In make math. a note of that. I'm not going to try to say it. What's the, how do you pronounce that steak, Cruiser Mill? Uh, well, I'm from the south, so I'd probably say it wrong, too. I call it Salisbury Steak. No, the state, not the city. Oh, Mass- Massachusetts. Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. Oh, oh I need hmm. a nap. Yes. Todd will also be in Amsterdam in September for a what may be a one-off with an orchestra. That's, I believe, the 24th. And the agreement was that the orchestra would share the notes so that other orchestra could do the same show in the United States. So I don't think they plan on doing it anywhere else overseas. However, we do know, and Todd confirmed, that they are looking for gigs overseas in places like London, Italy, wherever, to do some of these uh, shows that they're going to be doing in the summer with the full band, the five-piece band. We haven't heard of any confirmation or anybody in on that yet, but I know it's being worked on. So hopefully you folks and fans overseas and people that are going to travel to the Amsterdam show may get to see some other stuff. Right. I hear they're going to record the Amsterdam show as well. Where did you hear that? Where did I hear that? Um, I think it was actually on the website for the Paradiso, and they named, I, I'm assuming it was a radio station, you know, something with four letters, you know. Okay, all right. Well, let's quickly get through because I think we may have Janet on hold here. Um, oh, dear. Okay. There was, oh, oh wow. I, I, know, I know a gig that we need to mention Um Moogie Klingman has a gig sat- this Saturday night at P&G Bar in New York, 8 p.m. Please support Moogie and his gigs if you can. Yep. It's good healing for Moogie, who we all know has serious battle ahead of him with cancer. Moogie gig, P&G, Saturday night, New York. Yeah. We also have a Jesse gig to announce, Jesse Gress. Oh, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. We've got him on June 10th. Again in Bearsville, New York. God, that is a busy place. Uh, he's going to be performing with the Mahavishnu Project. Woo! Say that again. You're just making fun of me now. No, that's good. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> Mahavishnu Project. Nice. All right. Jesse Gress, Moogie. Oh, we got a couple other things, too. Todd Rungers Johnson is available now on Amazon.com, DeepDiscount.com. If you don't know that, Hi-Fi or MCPA, they call themselves, they finally, MPCA, finally came out with the album. You can also download it, of course, at the usual spots. Todd Rungers Johnson is available. And last but not least, Todd Fest West, a get-together of fans on the West Coast. You're welcome to come if you're from the East Coast, Midwest, or wherever. Is August the 20th. Yeah. And that's always a good time for those folks. That's been going on for what, 10-plus years, 20 years? 15 years, something like that, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. Oh, I do have one more last but not least before we oh. take our call from the lovely Janet Kirker. All right. If 
the prediction is accurate from a radio host. I can't remember his name. The camp will be called off because the rapture will occur this <laughs> Saturday, May 21st. And, well, I and guess all actually, the people None of the camp people will be going. You can still have the camp because the rest of you people, you will be gone in October when the world ends. So I guess the camp still could go on because I don't suspect anybody will be raptured. Except for maybe Janet, because she's a good person. <laughs> oh, it's getting deep in here. So, Janet, welcome to Rungan Radio. Thank you very much. I don't know, it's getting pretty deep in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had to bring up the raptures. Big news, big news. I, I think it's a good day to avoid the subways, maybe. Yeah, maybe so. It's a good song by Blondie as well. I mean, All right, let's the, talk about Janet Kirker. You are, are in New York City, is that correct? I am. Just got home from work not too long ago. Sorry I couldn't call in earlier. That's all right. You called in. Actually, you were plenty on time, and I um, have always been confused. Where do you work currently? I understand it's like um, EMI or some big record company or something. Is that right? I work for one of those big record <laughs> the evil record companies. Yeah. Yes, that are barely still in business. That's good. <laughs> no, no, no. We're doing great, actually. We're doing really, really, really well. Yeah. What company is it? I, I want to hear Mel say Mahavishnu Salisbury Steak. That's what I want to hear. Ooh. <laughs> All together now. <laughs> oh, I don't want to wear out my welcome. So. <laughs> Maybe later in the show. Boy, there's so many gigs coming up. Yeah. Hey, are you trying to avoid telling us where you work? <laughs> Well, you know, like we, I, I'm a project manager, so I sort of, uh, you know, just go wherever I'm needed. But, yeah, I've been at EMI for five years. so It is EMI. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. We're going to have fun talking about the record business, maybe, perhaps. I'll tell you what little I know. <laughs> There's always more to learn, right? <laughs> yes, yes. We definitely want to talk about camp before we get into all that good stuff. All right, so you do that, and apparently you have – something to do with uh, being a copyright expert, a copyright law. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, I, I, I do know a lot about copyright. It wasn't even on purpose, Doug. Mm. It was, uh, well, I'm a software um, project manager and have been for quite a long time. And always in the entertainment business because I mostly work out of Los Angeles and New York. And um, maybe, you know, uh, in this particular job at, at EMI, we had to build a copyright system. You probably have a lot of listeners who are into software. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Water, right? <laughs> I, I know the Todd fan. Um, so when you're building software, you have to not only sort of get a general idea of how something works, but you really have to get in there and learn it all the way. And so I was lucky at this particular uh, company. I had We were building a, a copyright and royalty system for, song, for EMI, and um, I was forced to uh, read all books about publishing and learn publishing from the ground up. And it's really, I, I find it so fascinating, all of intellectual property, but especially songwriting and how it how it works around the world. And uh, as I say, when you build a software system, you really need to know about it. And there's a lot of tricks and tips I've learned along the way that are going to be really helpful for any aspiring songwriters. Well, it's kind of, though the industry's gotten so crazy, it's almost, um, 
it seems to be getting impossible for you to protect your rights to your music once it's out. It's anybody's. It seems like you know. So it's been. I mean, are you guys uh, um, able well, to find what, a way know, to change that? Yeah, I mean that is absolutely part of the role of one of the advantages of being with a big publisher is that they have an army of people who are out there to protect you. You know. Um, yeah. So, but. I mean, the music business is in a great flux at the moment, and uh, the old way, you know, we're kind of in between the old and the new right now. Let's have a oh, little... There, you know, there's a, so many musicians that just have decided just put their music out there sometimes for free. I mean, mm-hmm. will they have any kind of rights at all to that? If someone else says, oh, I like that song, I'm going to record that song. Yeah, well, you can you can copyright. You can t- If you write a song, Mel, you can take a stick and carve it <laughs> into the sand and take a picture of it and, you know, and send it in and, and then you own that song, you know. Oh, okay. Possibly. So it does yeah. still work. Okay. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. And and if you can prove that someone's infringing upon your rights, you know, you have a legal recourse, so. Let's do a little, let's uh, have a little exercise here to see on the, um, Uh-oh. more on the side. I hear, I hear some ordinary stuff coming up here. Strategy. <laughs> Well, kind of. I mean, you look at this. is This was always a beef for me. We were trying to to uh, promote to the Todd Healing tour, and we go to YouTube, make a little video with clips from the albums, and Warner Music Group shoots it down immediately. They have some tag, and so they were the only people doing this on YouTube, and now they're having to sell their business for a loss. And uh, I think that I don't know if that's why or what the lesson is in that, but it seems like some of these people still haven't caught up to what's going on. And made the proper adjustments to the to the way the music business is now. Yeah. Do you yeah. think they were right in doing that with the YouTube, or you think they should have just said, you know what, let's let our music out there so people can see it and maybe buy it, and we can get paid for the well, commercials? Well, as you know, I may or may not know, and and this is all stuff that you know. It's it seems second nature to people in the business, but it is kind of confusing when you're first learning about it. Uh, you know what? What's a mechanical right? Um, what What is the song? The underlying copyright on a song, and and if you play on a song, you know. And so there's the master, and uh, and there's the the musical song copyright. So those are sort of two different rights. And the master rights are the actual recording in the studio, and the copyright is the song. And uh, you know, I I think it's great that they're protecting now. If you YouTube has a whole new thing which we can talk about later or or uh, talk about up at the camp, which I'm really excited about, by the way. It's going to be hey. birthday week and camp week in the same week. Um, but if you if you're you know, I know at EMI they're very concerned about the songwriter comes first, and so people who are up on you know doing songs up on YouTube and so forth, you got to protect them. And, you know, there are bo- there's two sides to everything, really. Sure, of course. But there's also the same kind of companies doing things totally different. You know, you got, you know Warner was, again, I think the only ones that wanted to do that. And I would argue this. I mean, we can, you know, have fun debating all day long, but <laughs> odds on tour and the promoter wants to play 15 seconds of Golden Goose, to help promote the show on YouTube, 
how does that hurt Warner Music Group to where they would want to take that down? That makes absolutely no sense to me. And how does it help the artist who is trying to make a money, make a living off touring, which is now where the money is, according to Todd, and I believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. It, it just seems like they're just being stubborn and trying to mm-hmm. live in the old ways, where you know this is how it is. It's our property. Nobody can do anything with it. Yeah, yeah. No, I get where you're coming from. I mean, that's the, like the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law. Right. Um, but you know, it's it's tough. I mean, you sort of have to. I'm I am first of all, of course, I'm not a lawyer, um, but you know, you, you sort of have to look at at, uh, at both sides because you don't want to also, you know, somebody, especially songwriters, they make their living, you know, writing songs. And um, if people are out there recording it for free and, you know, making, especially making money off of it, because on YouTube you can have ads, right? Mm-hmm. So if right. people are out there making uh, money off of your song, I think it's great if somebody tries to make sure that you get that money. Now, whether they actually give it to the writers <laughs> is another story. So. <laughs> but, I, I mean, like I said, there's there's definitely arguments for both sides, and you just sort of have to look at I don't think there's a blanket, blanket answer. Do you guys? Well, now, there's something on YouTube um, called Vivo, and it seems mm-hmm. like it's some sort of uh, here is the, you know, they don't have it for Todd Rundgren, but they, here's the lady uh, official YouTube mm-hmm. channel, and it's, mm-hmm. it's Vivo all over it. And there are ads that run, but it it seems to be the actual videos put out by the record company. So what is Vivo? Do you know? Yeah, I don't know that much about it, Mel. I, I'll, I'll make sure I find out a little more before. But, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of what I know about it. I think it's, uh, you probably heard the same thing. It's, you know, official, licensed legal reuse, right? Well, then these people are doing in my opinion, doing it the way it should be done. Because they got a little ad out there, so they're, you know, somebody's making a little money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no, they pass that along to the writers. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the record company, you know, they take a lot of risks when they sign a new writer. I mean, you know, it's a hit-driven business. Ninety percent of the stuff they invest their money in never even gets heard or sold, you know. And uh, so, um, but yeah, I mean, that's it's it's a pretty good channel, and uh, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, you, it's funny to tell them you can almost have a contest to see how quickly your stuff can get taken down, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I my. Uh, an old friend of mine um, from the Santa Cruz days, his son just got voted off of American Idol. We were watching him from the early, early on. Oh, I know you're a big fan of that guy. James yeah. Durbin, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love him. We love him. What a talent. Mm-hmm. And his dad, Willie, was a bass player back when I was singing in bands in Santa Cruz. And um, now he, that was before James was bored, probably. <laughs> But anyway, it's it's um, uh, wasn't that terrible when he got voted off? A lot of well, people are upset. Sometimes that can be a blessing, though. Almost as terrible as him dissing and not putting Todd on there when they were supposed to. I know. The scheduling conflict we've heard again and again. I think that may be true. They, that's what somebody supposedly found out. It's in the in the know. But hey, yeah, ladies, yeah. I got a quick uh, quick little announcement. I just got an email that um, Postal put out a report on this this Todd Darrell deal. And they're saying it is a one-time-only broadcast featuring Todd Rundgren. So they're claiming it's going to be filmed and that it's a one-time deal. 
So there you go. That's according to a Polestar article. Cool. Now you people are in the loop, and the reason I know that I can interrupt these ladies is because I know Janet is also a Todd fan, not just a copyright expert. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're talking about all this boring stuff, you know? (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about you and Todd, how long you've been a fan. I saw you at the Utopia show. I've seen you at about 100 shows. Not really 100, but I've seen you at all the East Coast, New York shows. When did you become a Todd fan? Like I I want to say um, Hermit of Mink Hollow. Long uh, time, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was that was probably the album that uh, you know. And I a friend of mine took me to see what I think now was one of the Roxy shows live. You know, in the Roxy it was like in this. I want to say late seventies, mm-hmm. and. Of course, I was, you know, a toddler back then, um, but and and I just thought, wow, what a great talent, you know. And I didn't even know who he was, and um, and then I heard the song "Love Is the Answer," and that that became what what is now my favorite song of all time. What a great one! So you, uh, well, you, uh, what did you think about that Utopia show in New York? Shows. Oh, they were amazing. Yeah, I mean, I I think I only saw Utopia once in. Eighties, um, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool. I never saw sort of the what did they call the original Utopia? Yeah, Mark II. Yeah, it was the second grade. Yeah, that was really. What you call People it, Mark II? You saw probably what two or three of the Todd Healing shows. I did. I saw two. I think. Yeah, Red yeah. Bank and uh, Morristown, maybe. Yeah, boy, you're all over me. <laughs> I follow you around. <laughs> I know yeah, everybody that yeah. to every show. I almost That's, do. You're very astute about that. Yeah. Yes, Cruiser Mel does too. We're in the yeah. loop. Good, good. Of course, you know, especially if we run into them and get to say hello, it's kind of easy to remember. And yeah. then in about a year or so, we will remember none of it. And then if the rapture happens, we will, of course, it won't be relevant anymore. You know, I was asking one of those guys on the subway who was handing out these rapture you know, there was a big sign. It says, I think it's called familyradio.com. They're the ones who are promoting promoting it's like a concert um <laughs> they're promoting this uh, <laughs> may 21st event you know the big event like somebody should do a take up on that actually um maybe they will on snl and, <laughs> and i said and yeah i better copyright it first and then i said um i said well what's actually gonna happen on may 21st you know because you think about it in practical terms and I said, you know, so you're you're a chosen one. He said, yes, I am, ma'am. I'm I'm one of the chosen ones. And I said, well, what's going to happen, like, on May 21st? He says, we're all going to go up, up to the sky. I said, well, but what if you're on a subway train? What's going to happen, <laughs> you know? And I, I was like, do you go through the roof or your clothes left in the ground? We don't know, you know. And then there's all those great websites where uh, the heathen people like myself will be left behind and, and you know, for a mere five hundred dollars, we'll take care of your animals because you know the animals don't go up. Oh, they don't. I so thought animals. These, I thought dogs went to heaven. No, no. According apparently, according to these people, no, all the animals stay behind. You see. Man, so, that's going to make a lot of rescue posts on Facebook. <laughs> that's right. So you know, if people are real good Christians, aren't they going to want to make sure their pets are taken care of? Yes, oh, I'm sure they have spent five hundred bucks for it. I'll do it for two. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right, now let's talk about camp. So to make sure we get that info, Paul calls in. But uh, 
definitely want to talk about your singing career of the past. But before that, let's talk about camp. Do you have a game plan? Do you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing for camp? Like you oh, have a special anybody? class? Are you going to be part of a panel? <laughs> camping out? Are you in a hotel? Tell well, us you know Todd. Todd doesn't give a lot of details in the no. beginning, but he always delivers, right? Yes, yes. So what I've heard is probably what you've heard. So there'll be panels. Um, the panel I'm supposed to be on is obviously probably about the music business and um, trends in the music business. Um, and, of course, all of us are going to be available for all the campers and hanging out, whatever whatever we can do to be a service. All right, very good. Have you got like a do you do a PowerPoint presentation? Are you just gonna be there for questions? I don't know. What do you think I should do? <laughs> mm. I mean, I, I'm I'm a software person, you know, so I'm I, I can bring PowerPoints, but I don't know how sexy that would be, really. <laughs> yeah, I would have you a five-page PowerPoint prepared just in case. So when Ty goes, okay. "Where's your presentation?" Oh, it's right here. Right here on my little. Uh, right here on my laptop. My I'm little so, key. Yeah. 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 What I would think about. Think about it, just in case. Of course, now, I'm not aware in the woods you would have a, uh, you know, display for that to, where to do that. But I don't know. who knows? Yeah, the password I, to their wireless network up there, I guess. But now, you, have you guys talked just, about Patronet much so far in talking about sort of, you know, how far ahead Todd was when it comes to the music industry? Well, we've talked about Patronite many times, but you know, people all know that. But now they're more interested in when's it coming back, and it doesn't look like it ever will, than what was back in the day in the nineties. You know, really a crucial, of course, ahead of its time, right? But I mean, yeah. that's that's actually how we met because, um, like I said, I had been a, a big fan early on, and um, I went to a show in Anaheim. This is when I was living back in L.A., and I hadn't seen a Todd show in a long time. I think it was the Power Trio, I want to say. And there was a gentleman in the lobby who had a laptop, and, of course, I gravitated to the laptop. And I said, what's this? And he said, oh, it's a software project that Todd is doing, you know, and we're going to launch real soon and everything. So I said, well, if you ever need any help, I do this for a living, let me know. And I got a call the next day or the next week or something like that to help out, which I was happy to do. So that's that's how we met, actually. So Very cool. Was, Go Patreon. Cool. A lot of people met on Patreonet, actually. And it's just, it's just um, I don't know, I don't understand the um, the whole thing with why something like that. Actually, everybody's doing that now in a sense, uh, mm-hmm. something like that with their website, except for Todd. And now, you know, his website probably hasn't been updated since the Patronet days. So, although it was a great accomplishment at the time, now it's you know it's common to have chat rooms and all these things that, that he was doing back then, but he's he's not doing it all anymore. Yeah, and, and then you look at what Radiohead did, you know, which is basically leave the majors, the leave mm-hmm. the label, and said, you know, we're just going to release our own stuff and get the pa- fans to pay what they will, which is exactly mm-hmm. what you know Patronet was about. Sure. And, uh, so it's you know again what fourteen years ahead of its time or something. So Yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to have mm-hmm. something like that back. Um for the communication if anything. I mean it's a it's a great way to inter- interact with fans. But, yeah, interaction is in but you know, I think the the neat part about it was like just 
the financial support that artists really need, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nowadays you probably want to hire somebody to do that, but that's, you know, of course that's not too expensive and not uncommon anymore for mm-hmm. for bands to have somebody running their websites and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I know Todd likes to do that stuff on his own. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. probably what it is. <laughs> but uh, anyway. All right, so now the truth is for camp, really, you're going up there just to party and have a good time because you're going to be there for four days and maybe be on a panel once or twice. You know, do you have any other plans while you're up there? You like being out out there in the woods? You camping out? Are you going to be in a room? You know, I'm a little. I'm a, I'm 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 keeping it loose. You know, I feel no no expectation and bound to have a great time. So I'm sure it's going to be really fun. People may not know you were a Todd Stalker, so you have camped out before. You know, I didn't camp though at the, at the Todd Stalker. Ooh. Yeah. No, I did the bed and breakfast. <laughs> yeah, we didn't camp out either. No, right. I didn't, I didn't camp out. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people did. But, you know, I don't know that the um, expectations. I did a lot of camping when I was a kid, though, so it's just not, it just wasn't, you know, I I was with a friend and we just chose not to do it, but uh, I'm not against camping. Camping's awesome. Well, do you know if they have any big plans for Todd's birthday? Because it will be that week, just like Todd's talk. Um, oh, gosh, I'm sure there will be huge plans. Um, music, partying, probably something to do with martinis i would imagine <laughs> vodka cool. gimlets right are, are you staying there the whole week or you just go up there for a class a couple days i'm, or how I'm not going to be there the whole week i'll probably be three days i would say you know whatever i can take off work um so it'll be fun what do the folks at work think about you doing this i don't really talk about it <laughs> really i don't know yeah. oh wow interesting yeah yeah i'll try to keep that work and personal stuff apart too i hear you yeah but since since you're in the business so they say i thought maybe it would be of interest to them well it is you know it is and i and i actually um i mean i've had todd's come into where i work a a few times and um and everybody is just i mean they cannot believe todd todd rengren's walking through the halls of our office i mean it's really cool this the respect (laughs) the respect that he has from you know the the big, uh, the head of A&R and, and our sync department. I mean, it's just really, it's great to see, actually. So, And we're we're trying to work out, well, I won't get into that detail right now. But. Uh-oh, here we go. Well, let's, yeah, speaking of, why don't, um, I mean, tell me this. Why, how does a record company like this Hi-Fi record sit on an album for over a year and a half before they can release it? I mean, is that, is that, um I mean, are, as fans, are we being too judgmental to say that's insane, or is that normal? I mean, that Todd turned that in. You know, I wouldn't know about whatever the contract said, or I mean, like I said, I'm on the publishing side, so it's mm-hmm. kind of. I know, but he toured. He toured for months on that album. Yeah. And there was <laughs> and no album. And a publishing album. company put that out. Music. You gotta wonder, it. right? Yeah, yeah. They're called Music Publishing Company of America. Something like that. MPCA. Yep, hmm. isn't that strange? All right, so you're not going to diss other people in the industry. I get it. We tried. <laughs> I, yeah, had no, to, I, I had to laugh I, the other night. I caught, uh, in the middle of the night, uh, Spinal Tap was on TV, and they, they make a joke about, you know, they can't get their album out yet because the cover, people have trouble with the cover, and they're like, <laughs> so we're out here touring an album that doesn't exist, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that before. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's almost hey. like when it goes right, it's unusual. Yeah. Well, it's so hard now. We had um, 
Daniel Savage on, who was helping out with that album uh, with the arena, how they have to pretty much pay. You know, they try to pay and bid to get on the shelves at Best Buy and things like that. It's crazy, crazy business. But what were you about to tell us about this deal with Todd? Now, you know, nobody, nobody's really listening tonight. We don't have, you know, it's just me and Mel. <laughs> we well, we're trying anybody. to. Uh, you, you've well, all heard. Um, was it Connie Chung said? Just between us. Yeah, just between us, exactly. Just Although between. I hear you are the number one music station on the blog. We were. Took a week off, so we have fallen to like sixth place. We'll come back. <laughs> you gotta stay on top of things, don't you? Yeah, I know it. I know it. We're slackers. But I well, mean, any any time anything I can do. Let's start a rumor. Y'all about to hire him? You know, A and R's going to put him as a. You know, well, I, I mean, anything we can do, anything I personally can do to help promote his music, whether it be on TV, commercials. Um, you know, TV show, anything we we can do, to it, we're trying to do. So that's that's all I'll say about that. But well, uh, like, well, like, give me an example. Let's say somebody else beside Todd that y'all hooked up on a TV thing or something. Like, what kind of stuff do you mean? Well, you are familiar, obviously, with the um, the cruise line commercial. Yeah. Yes, y'all did that. No, <laughs> but we would like to do more of that kind of thing. I got you. Do you know much about that cruise commercial? In what respect? <laughs> like um, the bang the drum on there. Right. I've heard different things, you know, like Todd sold the rights to that. I've also heard that he redid it just for that commercial so they would have the rights to it. Do you know any of that legal mumbo-jumbo for that particular commercial? I mean, is Todd, you know... Well, artists, uh, artists often do what they call re-records of their mm-hmm. studio masters. Um, you'll hear it, you know, do you... Like... Uh, one of the songs I downloaded off iTunes recently was this song called um, Into the Night by Benny Mardonis. One hit wonder, right? I just sure. loved it. And, and when I played it, I thought, well, that that does sound like it. Ninety, you know, And there was just some little notes that he was hitting that just didn't. And I thought, well, maybe it was a re-record, but it was an awful good one, you know. And, it, and it's usually because they can't get the master from their record company record company uh-huh. owns the master but the artist uh, who wrote the song has every right to re-record their own song and sure. uh, so when you do that you can then license the master and that's what that is so that's um okay so let's take like michael jackson you know bought beatles music so he had the rights to that so paul mccartney could go out and get back with ringo and find a couple other dudes and they could redo an entire beatles album that that Michael Jackson owned the rights to the songs? Would that be possible? Does that make sense? Yeah, they they could. Anybody can record a song once it's been recorded once. I don't want to give mm. away all the secrets, but right. it, it, it not that that's a huge secret, but <laughs> the, fir- the first use has a special permission. If you write a song, if you guys were to write a song right now. You know, you have the right to record it and release it first. Okay. Once it's out there for commercial, once it's out there, anybody can record the song as long as they're willing to pay. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So. Tell me, so, what yes. is the worst horror story that you've been involved in or that you've seen where somebody got screwed over because they didn't do what oh, they yeah. needed to 
protect themselves. Like I've always heard, the, I know you weren't involved in this, but like the monkeys never got paid apparently for their music. Well, I mean, there's you know, there's more stories. I mean, you really have to be careful. That that's why it's important for musicians who notoriously don't like the business of the music business. They either have to have people they really trust very early on, or they have to just read a book. You know, read read a little bit on the internet about keeping your publishing, about agreements, um, because uh, you know the the mo the guy. I mean, the standing in the shadows of Motown, right? Perfect example of what you're talking about. Hmm. All right. Well, hey, we got to call him and make sure it's not Paul. Maybe somebody wants to ask you a question. Let's see if I can get this to work. All right, 216, you're with us. Hey, Doug, uh, Jack from Cleveland. Hey, man, how's it going? Hi, Jack. Not bad, not bad. Hi, honey. I, I, I was kind of amazed by how much input you had as far as the business of the industry goes. And very impressed with that. Um, is, should there be some legally, uh, legal wrangling there as far as uh, if you put a song out on the Internet, should you have it uh, not on there? I mean, should you go ahead and uh, have it protected by law before you put it on there, or just wait until you get a copyright? So you're saying if you put a song out on the internet before you've done any kind of legal stuff, you, that, that you're not protected? Is that your question? Yeah, that's my question, Doug. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, first of all, of course, you know, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, so I'll just give you my opinion. But um, <laughs> disclaimer. You know, you you. you by law, you you do own the intellectual rights when you write a song. It's your song. That's it. And then you can also register the song with rights uh, hold rights performing rights organizations like ASCAP and BMI, which is very easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, and you can register it with the U.S. Copyright Office as well. So, how do you feel about BMI? BMI. Yeah, with, with Todd's concerned, I mean, BMI has a lot uh, to do with the Cleveland part of the Rock Hall of Fame, and I don't see Todd Rudman in there. It's kind of uh, got me perplexed. I mean, what would need to be done to get Todd in the Rock and Hall of Fame? I mean, how many executives do we have to talk to? Uh, <laughs> what needs in other to words, be done? How many connections? <laughs> how many executives yeah. take to twist yeah. a light bulb in there, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah, I have to get this guy in there. I mean, it's really killing me that he's not in there. Wasn't it's there me. a campaign um, in Rolling Stone or something? Yeah. Well, yeah. The, no, the Rolling Stone was just an ad that um, uh, Bill Bricker put together just to recognize that Todd's thirty years as a musician or something like that. Um, the only ones that have really been campaigns have been on Facebook. But um, anyway, I like no, you say serious. that. Say that again. There, there hasn't been any real serious campaigns to get Todd in the Hall of Fame. You know, there's tons of them on Facebook, but the, the ad in Rolling Stone was just kind of a, you know, appreciation ad from fans that Todd had been in the business for 10, 20, and 30 years. They've done it two or three times. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that kind of deal. It wasn't about being in the Hall of Fame. Because I think, for the most part, a lot of Todd fans don't care if he's in. And I know Todd actually, he doesn't, probably doesn't. I don't say acts. I don't, I don't know that he really cares. I mean, um, but, you know, it's just kind of hard to believe that he's in when you look at some of these people that aren't in there. I mean, that are in there, and then Todd's not. It's just kind of weird. I, don't know. I, I think the easiest thing is it should just be called the Popular Music Hall of Fame. They need to quit calling it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because that's not really what it is. 
Well, it's like American Idol. It's not about the best singer. It's about who gets the most votes, right? Right, exactly. And then now, now Lenny, um, our previous guest had a, uh, Lenny K had a great take on. It. He's like, look, I don't care about who gets in. I go down there and look at this stuff on display, and that's a good point. Todd's had a display on there. It still may be there for all I know. There's some great stuff to look at if you go actually walk the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You don't have to be in it to be um, to have your stuff on display. There are different things in history of rock and roll. Yeah. True. But, hey, Chuck, thanks for the call, man. i got, I got to let you run because we've got about three more minutes before Paul calls in, and I wanted to make sure that I played some of Janet's singing skills. Oh, no. But before I do that, tell us a little bit about this. Um, was it was your band Agents of Hitsville? Is that right? Well, no, that was a, this, this was a band called The Chain of Fools, and uh, you can only play a little bit of it because there's a copyright on that. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's all I got anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just a. It was a little band up in up in Santa Cruz. Uh, had some great people in it. Um, Tyran Porter from the Doobie Brothers was our bass player. Jimmy Fox on drums. Um, I sang with Mary Wing, and it was just it was just a wonderful band. And um, three of the people in the band, Dale Ackerman being one, um, were actually played behind James Durbin for his homecoming concert, you know, the American Idol homecoming concert in Santa mm-hmm. Cruz. So it's pretty funny. It all comes together, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, what is Agents of Hitsville? That's the site, I guess? Maybe that's the web. I think that was the, uh, yeah, that was the. All right. Now, there's two people singing, though, in this set. I got, like, the first 30, 40 seconds or whatever. Which one are you? Do you start the there's song? or do you three. No, I think, I think I'm the might be the second one. You're yeah. making me go way back here. Come on. Now this is a this is a you know mono online radio, so it doesn't always sound the best. <laughs> it sounds okay, and it's going to sound different than it will to you on the phone than it will to the listeners. But uh, this will give people the gist. <laughs> I like this was many play. years ago, <laughs> but it's the singing part you can clearly hear, and you know these singers have good voices. That's what's important. You ready? Well, now I'm curious. Let's let's Here get we go. Play. Here we go. This will make you think of a movie. Just in time to keep me from getting sued and paying being my next <laughs> Well, that takes Y'all. me back. So we better do some jamming up there at the camp, right? Definitely some jams. I know. Now, were you the second person or the it. first person in that song? I'm the second person. Excellent, excellent. And there was a third that one. That was what year? Oh, I don't want to say, honey. But you you did it for ten years, right? I did. Well, I did. Um, that was one band I was in, and I was also in a band with Paul Jackson, the bass player for Herbie Hancock, if you remember that, the headhunter. Wow, Herbie Hancock's coming to Birmingham this month. Very nice. Ooh, very nice. Hmm. And uh, I did voiceovers for a long time. But, you know, I mean, it's fun to sing. I, I'm sure you guys know 
Uh, and oh. I know you're very musical. You should hear me sing Healer. It's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, I'd love to hear it. Uh, I tried to get Todd. I tried to get Todd to sing with me in the studio one time because I thought it would be fun. And he goes, "Well, Janet, it just doesn't sound like fun to me." <laughs> oh man! Oh, that's cold. Yeah, he goes. It sounds more like work. <laughs> so. That's what he does for living. Well, he you know he's only done one song. Uh, well, not, that's not true. He did the um, on his albums. We've only got one where he did a uh, duet. A duet. And with uh, what's what's the girl? Uh, not Bonnie Raitt, but um, damn. Tyler. Bonnie yeah. Tyler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so maybe that, we can you know get him to sing with us uh, at the camp. I definitely think you could at camp, and you should record it, put it on YouTube. <laughs> okay. <laughs> make it happen. And put some ads up, and that's how we'll all make some money. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea. You're all over it. See, look what you're gonna learn at camp: how to make money on YouTube. You know and what? Sing a duet with Todd you can actually make money on YouTube, believe it or not. Yeah, there are people now that they're, they're, I'm telling you, they're, they're getting a little too aggressive with the ads. I've noticed, but <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm 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 for it if that's what it takes to keep stuff up there. But they're just jamming them a little bit too much sometimes. Yeah, yeah too. I, I don't mind. On the side is where they belong, not on the screen, not on the video. Start of the video versus during the video at the at the bottom of it. They've been doing it. That's what drives me crazy. You can exit out, but yeah. Come on, man. They, they, they've got ways to bring it back, though, now. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So what, why did you um, get out of the music business as far as singing? You just got uh, tired of the business? That part yeah, of not it? really. But I, I, I got into it accidentally. I really did, I, you know. And um, I, I, you know what? This is going to sound really corny, but I just I, I was so enamored with software in the 80s I just that's what I wanted to do and it and it all came together when multi remember the remember the term multimedia Sure um so I actually it's a funny story I'll make it brief cuz I know you have other things to do but I was um doing a voiceover for a CD-ROM in New York and I went in to pick up my script and the place was just it was in like the Flatiron district and all these cool people walking around and it was like software meets entertainment meets music meets voiceover, and it all came together. And I said, "This is what I have to do." So I became a producer of uh, CD-ROMs and then web, and you know that it, it was fun. But I, I love software. That's the main thing. It's um, computers for me. You know me. how to make? You know how to create software programs? I used to be a programmer. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's where the money is right there. No, actually, it isn't. Um, no. I mean, I don't know, you know. Uh, Build a website? No, there's no money in that. Building you know websites. how to do it, though? Are you no, a I'm not a very good programmer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a project manager, which means I have to know a little bit about a lot of things. Um, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, hey, um, I don't know. Have you ever uh, met the other camp counselors, all of them? Do you know Paul Myers by chance? I mean, I know he's... <gasps> I don't know Paul Myers, but I'm really looking forward to hearing him tonight. Yeah, well, he's um, he's definitely uh, going to still be here after Saturday when the rapture occurs. But, <laughs> so he'll make nice the camp. Yeah, yeah, he'll make the camp, no question about it. But he's with us, so I wanted to say hello to you so y'all can at least meet somewhat, and then y'all can have fun at camp. Paul, what's up? Hi, and hi, Janet. Thank you. Hi, nice to meet you. And I'm I'm going to see you, I suppose, up there. Excellent. 
Okay, and yeah, and I used to work in copyright, by the way. I used to have lost one of my day jobs was data entry at uh, the Canadian Musical Reproduction Rights Agency in Toronto, Canada. So, oh, so, so I, well. I know all about song entry. That's all I know, is data entry. But uh, you know, I do know copyright a little bit. It's changing all the time, though. Yep, we'll have a lot of little geeky things to talk about. So geeky I look forward things. to hearing <laughs> you and out. seeing you there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Thanks, all Doug. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Janet. Very nice. Thanks, Janet. Have fun at camp. Thanks, Mel. See you soon. Okay. Bye. Hi, Mel. Very good. And it's got a good voice there. Hey, Paul. Yes, she does. She is a good. Yes, talk. she does. I I will say that also since we're all talking. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening, Mr. Mr. Paul? What's been going on with you lately? Uh, like I've been preparing for the rapture, and then I realized I'm probably going to be staying. So, uh, like, yeah, I, I unpacked my suitcase. So <laughs> oh. There you go. But, you won't uh, be flying on Saturday. Well, you know, you're you prepared for October, after though. After the rapture, there's going to be no more lineups for the Shake Shack in New York City. That's, that's uh, <laughs> you know, that's well, I'm going to be crazy. in New York, so I'm going to Shake Shack on the 25th. You're going on the 25th? Okay. Oh, I'll yeah. be there. I'm going to make sure I go by and get one of those deals. Yes, sir. I'll be, I'll be there that week, actually. I'll be in New York as well. What are you doing there? Going to see the cars. You should come. Oh, I should, actually. I should. That night, actually, I have an event, but... Uh, but I, I, I wonder, hmm, who do we know in the cars that could help me get get a, a pass to come halfway through the show? Uh, perhaps one or two of those guys you might know. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be, uh, yeah, if you got something going on, though, from what I understand, the set list is it's a very short show. What time are they going on? They play long. Yeah. They're going so on it's an night. odd set list, actually, for the cars. I mean, I don't know if you're a big Cars fan. I, I love them. So I'm happy with yeah, whatever. Yeah, I was a huge Cars fan for, for many years. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's kind of uh, some weird choices, but um, I'll, I'll I'll enjoy it. I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, and then uh, if you're going to be around too, Chasm's got that gig in Bordentown, New Jersey, the next night. And then of course the Todd Darrell deal in Atlantic City. You know, if you go on the East Coast, you might as well go East Coast. Yeah, unfortunately, I also have to swing by Toronto, so that's my my hometown. So I'll be I'll heading too. out. I'll be heading out towards the end of that week. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm excited to go to this Todd Survival Camp. It was nice of them to ask me to come and talk about stuff and. Uh, and uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be kind of interesting. I, I, I guess I'm there from June 20. Actually, I'm going to be there on Todd's birthday. Actually, nice. Well, now when? So you're not getting in until the till Todd's birthday. I'm getting in that day, and actually, yeah, you know, and there's like a, a drive from. I think I'm flying to Albany, and it's going to be like uh, like a. I think it's an hour and a half or two hour drive to the camp. So I don't know if I, they'll probably just. Uh, They'll probably have finished the luau by the time I get there, but uh, but I've uh-huh. never been to a Todd's birthday event, so and I've written. No, about I don't several. think it'll be starting probably until till you're way past you there. If it's uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. probably a late night party. Now, so, so you're. I'm, I'm doing you're when did you get invited 1st. to be part of this? I didn't. I mean, I think this is kind of new, unless I was out of the loop yeah, for some reason. Website, but I'm on it, there. I'm not lying. Yeah, I know you're on there now, but when did that uh, when did that occur? Uh, they they called me a couple of well, they called me almost a month ago and asked me, and I. You know, we worked out whether I could make it or not and stuff like that. And then uh, then I actually didn't hear from them for a while, for a while, you know, people in the office and stuff. And then uh, I sort of actually wanted to know – I sort of wanted to know from Todd why, I'm, why they want me because uh, <laughs> well, I'm on the celebrity panel. I thought maybe Todd yeah. was going to, like, arrange to have me killed for writing <laughs> the book. But then uh, as it turns out, no, he seems to like the book, although, you know, he hasn't actually said that. But, I mean, I see him sign it, which – you know, sure. I figure he wouldn't sign it if he didn't think it's at least okay. You know, right. <laughs> he likes it, no doubt. You can tell. Sure, it's a great. Yeah, well, I, mean, I wrote it. I, I wrote, sorry, Mel. I That's just said he signed my copy. So. There you go. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. it's cool. 
so I guess what they wanted me to do, like I actually emailed them because it's about celebrity and stuff like that. And because my brother's a celebrity and I don't really talk about my brother, I said, you don't want me to go tell Mike Myers stories, do you? And, and he, he said, no. You know, and then Todd got back to me. He goes, just tell t- tell about being a journalist and all the rock stars you've interviewed and stuff, and and talk about that. And this, as it turns out, I've been doing a lot of monologues uh, at like sort of you know storytelling events where I talk about the many different sort of rock people I've met, like Patti Smith and that, and just and how you know how it's kind of like the things you didn't expect to happen when you interview celebrities, and the things that you do expect, and you know how your expectations aren't always the same, and. And and it's sort of like the whole, you know, the world of crazy rock people, but how some people are super nice and, you know, like, for instance, like, when I was interviewing Todd, like, he cooked stir-fry for us, right? You know, which is like, I didn't expect that, I, you know, because you've met other people of a similar stature and they, they wouldn't be that down to earth, you know, but so other people will let you down, some people will surpass your expectations. So that's the kind of thing I talk about, and I imagine there'll be some Q&A involved uh, from the, the campers. And uh, I, yeah, I actually have a I have a whole thing I can I can really talk about because I have actually been doing this interviewing uh, celebrity rock star type people for a long time. So yeah, you did the like uh, in L.A. I know you did the what we call readings. Uh, would the, would that be something you might be be doing something like a reading from the uh, well, book? You know, it's not the kind of book I did a reading on your show last time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but the, it's not the kind of book that I feel is like a hundred percent about readings. But those, those events I did, and we should talk about that because those were fun. I don't know if any, yeah. any of your listeners got out to them. I think a few people did. Uh, the one in San Francisco, of course, was last uh, November, and that December, and that went really well. But then we did this one in L.A., and i got to say, um, I just want to say a few things, a few shout-outs to people. Like uh, Taylor Locke and the Ruffs are this band from L.A., and they're partly members of the group Rooney. And those guys are, like, super into what I call power pop, you know, mm-hmm. and sort of like the that – anything from the Naz and, you know, the Couldn't I Just Tell You era Todd, as well as things like Cheap Trick and, you know, and, and Raspberries and stuff like that. Those guys are super awesome L.A. guys. And Taylor himself is was a, a leading organizer in this, this Todd tribute night we did for, for the book down in, in L.A. at Largo, which is an awesome theater. And uh, he basically brought his guys from Rooney and, and also got in Chris Price. And, uh, and they all played uh, various songs. And then I think... Uh, the Chapin sisters, who are you know, I think they're daughters of Harry Chapin. They they were down there. They're they're awesome. They sang they sang a couple of songs and they sang a song and it was and I did like with my band, the Paul and John. We had the DJ Bonebreak from uh, from X. Uh, he's a, a friend of John's, and so we, we got up and and we did uh, we did a couple of talks. We did like uh, there goes my inspiration and a dream goes on forever and uh, love of the common man. And it was like you know and the the, the, the highlight though for me. Just, I mean, there's a lot of highlights. John Bryan did I Think You Know. He did like a trippy version of I Think You Know with tape loops, just his, where he played everything himself on stage, the drums and everything. So a very fitting tr- tribute to Todd. John Bryan is an awesome L.A. musician. But one of the highlights also was Lyle Workman and, and uh, Mike Viola brought this L.A. session uh, string quartet out, and they sang two songs that were produced by Todd, they did A Thousand Umbrellas by XTC from Skylarking, which I've never heard played live with a string section. And the charts were by Dave Gregory from XTC, who sent them over. And uh, then they played I Don't Mind at All, uh, which is Lyle Workman's co-writer. Oh, awesome. Oh, I bet that was beautiful. Wow. With, with the string quartet. I mean, and it, this is like the hippest string quartet in Hollywood. They're called The Section. I'd never met them in my life, and it was purely... Uh, Lyle Workman, who's an awesome dude. I don't know if you've had him on your show. He's just an awesome, awesome dude. I can't say enough nice about Lyle Workman. 
Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he was in Bourgeois, and he played with, with obviously, with, you know. Have you had him on the show? Yeah, we had yeah. Lyle on. Actually, he was at the uh, Wizard of True Star show in L.A. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. He's just, like, he's he was great for, uh, helping me with the book, too. Like, so I just yeah, Paul, I feel when like... we had him on, he was actually um, in the middle of teaching Jim Carrey how to play a little bit of guitar for some movie he was doing. <laughs> Is a movie that has since come out? Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What movie yep. was it? I don't know. Uh, Damn. Um, you remember, Mel? No, I, I really don't remember. Uh, I'll have to go look that up, and I can yeah, tell you. Yeah. We talked about you never thought I would ask that, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, apparently um, Jim Carrey did a little bit of guitar in the movie. He yeah, Lyle does it. all this stuff for – you know Lyle does all that stuff for uh, Judd Apatow movies, and uh, he he did a uh, the score for a really cool little film with Paul Giamatti called Win Win. It's, it's a really nice independent film you should see. Have you seen Paul sing Hello at Sea? Have you ever seen that from the movie he was in? Have you ever seen that YouTube? Paul Giamatti? Yeah, Paul Giamatti singing Hello, It's Me. I've never seen that. Where's that from? Yeah, it was uh, what was the movie, Mal? I don't know the name of it. Oh, you are killing me. Google it. Just Google his name and Hello, It's Me. Paul Giamatti singing Hello, It's Me. Yeah, you got to see it. He does a great job. It's... um, it's a karaoke scene, and he gets up and, and sings it. But um, anyway, I saw a YouTube video from one of your deals, and I, none of those songs rang a bell, but it was a band. I think they were doing Couldn't I Just Tell You or something like that, but they were great, really good band. You introduced them, I think, and then they did a Todd song. Is it one of oh, the I know that. Uh, couldn't I just tell you that? Well, Scott Miller with the, the Bible of Blackbirds in San Francisco. Man, that, that was good. Was, yeah, but then we did. Uh, uh, Scott did that song again with us. Uh, with the uh, down in in San Francisco as well. I mean in LA. I mean we did it uh, with Scott singing lead, and I actually ended up playing harmony and guitar on it. So it was like our band backed him on that one. Nice. So so I don't know. I don't. You would not have seen a YouTube of the LA show because, as much as I love Largo the club, they have a very strict policy about uh, taping. And all my friends who wanted to like just shoot some iPhone stuff, they were told that they would be thrown out if they turned their phones on. You know, and it was like. And I didn't record any of this, like this what? string quartet. Yeah, and you know what it is? I'm a lousy tourist. Sometimes I'll go on vacation and I'll take like ten pictures, but you know, uh, but I, you know, I miss all these things that I could have taken pictures of. But I just want to experience it, right? So what happened was because I was organizing the LA show, my pretty much myself with uh, some help from a few people like Taylor, I ended up. The last detail was to try and get someone to record it properly. And I just was not on it, you know. And I, I'm working alone, and just and, and I totally regretted it afterwards because it turned out to be one of the nicest shows of my life. But anyone who was actually in the room uh, will tell you it was a legendary show. Like Lyle and Mike Viola singing "I Don't Mind at All," just such a, you know, such a joy. It was such a great night, and and we did a, a version of "Couldn't I Just Tell You" that night that was, um, was on par with the one you saw in San Francisco, if not different. You know, just it was. Uh, just so uh, so much fun to play those songs. But like that, I want to do that event. It's called Wizards and Stars because we had Scott Miller, who has a book called um, uh, Music What Happened, Music colon What Happened, and it's a, a book of his blogs about songs. And one of the songs he writes about is Couldn't I Just Tell You, which is why we decided to do these launch events together. We did two of them, like the San Francisco and L.A. But now I'd love to do it. The idea is we use local bands as well. So in San Francisco, we had our San Francisco bands, and in L.A., we had our L.A. bands. And I'd like to do it in New York City, and I've got friends in New York who said they would totally play this. And I'd like to do it in Toronto, my hometown, and I've been trying to coax Mo Berg to come out 
because uh, the Pursuit of Happiness are from Toronto, and you know they don't. I don't think they play even at all. But uh, but and Mo's a successful producer right now, so he's kind of busy. But uh, I would love to you know coax him out to do you know one of the songs they did with Todd that they recorded with Todd, and then uh, I'd like to do it in other places. You know, it'd be kind of awesome to just take it on. You know, maybe Washington D.C. Maybe you know, I know at least one band in Miami that were they were almost flying to L.A. to play on this thing. So. So um, if we go to Miami, maybe there'll be some Miami Todd fans there. So it'd be kind of fun to do because it's, it's not even about promoting my book anymore. My book's kind of the excuse to get the Todd Tribute Night together now. <laughs> yeah, the Todd Tribute stuff, I mean, we've experienced it, you know, in Boston for a deal. It's a blast, and I uh, imagine just watching that one video, I knew I could tell you guys were having a blast. I think it's a great concept. I'd love to see it. Um, uh, I'd go to some of those shows. You guys get those going. No doubt about it. I like it. I think Ed Victor made it to that LA show. Yes, I finally met Ed Victor. It was uh, it was funny because it was like I knew him all my life because I've seen pictures of him for so many years and and uh, he was there. That was yeah, that was great. And uh, a couple other people that I that I'd only seen their names online, uh, not necessarily from the Todd community, but just people from various Facebook pages. And they come up to you and they go, "Hey, I'm blank from blank." And it's like you know, it's just a funny. Like I remember the first time I met Doug. Uh, Doug up in uh, San Francisco is like, are you Doug? Because <laughs> like, you, you know these people from online, and it's like it's, it's. I'm sure you guys go through that all the time when you're doing all those uh, events. Yeah, you feel and like I, you I, already I, know these people, and and right. you don't even. Yeah. Well, you just say, well, hey, like you just saw them yesterday. You know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> I took my brother to the first AWOT show in Akron. He had no idea about all this stuff, and. He was just flabbergasted. He couldn't believe it because almost everybody I saw knew their name, whether I'd met them or not. And it was because of Facebook. I'm like, hey, what's happening? So and so and so and so. And it really uh, does make it easier. And um, and it's just a lot of fun because you kind of got a head start of you know where they are, you know where they're from, who they are, you know what they're about, that kind of thing. Makes it a lot a lot of fun. Uh, by the way, I should point out that there's uh, some friends of mine who might not have listened to any other uh, Rundgren radio things, and they might not be as adept at the term. But a watts means a wizard, a true star. Just I know that you guys will laugh. You guys are laughing, but for some of my some of the people who are just joining us, there's all these codes. Yeah, have you used that? Do you use that ever? You know, when you're talking about the book. Of course, I know you have to say a I wizard, true star first, but then you bust One of the into the reasons I, I don't refer to my book as a watts is because to me, within that Todd community, saying a watts kind of means you're talking about the album, and it's actually one of the reasons I didn't want to name the book a wizard or true star uh, for the longest time because. You know, I've had somebody look it up online to try and buy it, and they, they see this album, and they go, is that your uh, book? And I go, no, my, that's the album that the book's named after. But, And then people also think that the book is only about the making of one album, which is really frustrating considering uh, it's about 30 records. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, so that's, yeah, no, there's that. And, you know, I think um, you've probably already mentioned this, but I, I got an email from a Japanese publisher who's working with my publisher, and they're putting out um, a Japanese edition, which I'm waiting to find out when it's coming out. But I, I did tell some, I did tell some of the Japanese Todd fans. Yeah, I saw that on Ke- uh, Keiko's Facebook where you had put that. That's very oh. exciting. I told Keiko, yeah. yeah, myself as well, because so I got an email from this very polite uh, Japanese fellow who sent an email uh, basically asking me to explain some of the more um, some of the more uh, idiomatic expressions that are only in English. You know, I can't think of an example right now, but you know, if you if, okay, if you were to say something like you know. Basically, that stuck the knife in that, that, and then they're thinking, you mean someone got murdered? 
you know, and you have to explain that, you know, like, like that's a noose around my neck. I just, I didn't mean literally, you know, like, so you, so I basically had to type in like what these, what these expressions really mean, you know. So when Todd says his career was over, you know, or yeah, someone yeah. says well, someone's fine. career was over, they don't mean their career is literally over. They just mean that they're having a hard time, you know, you know. So like, it's it's fascinating to me, but I I, I can't wait to see. I hope it's printed in like kanji. Like I, I hope I can't read it. Basically, I I hope. I I would love to have that just as an object around my house, a, a sure. an all Japanese edition of a book I wrote. It's the first time that's ever happened. Very yeah. cool. That's very cool. And uh, what a great place for a Todd book too. I mean, they love him over well, there. Well, I'd love to go. I'd love to go. I've been to Tokyo three times. We, my wife and I, used to go for Christmas every year. I think we might actually go again uh, in the next year. Um, and of course, oh, wait a minute. Why don't you when Todd's going to be over there and then then do a book signing? If now is Todd still playing that festival up in the north? Yeah. Supposedly, yeah, yeah in that, late July. Mm-hmm. Isn't that like only yeah. like a hundred miles from where from where the reactor was? <laughs> yeah, but he he said they're all so old they're not really concerned about it. <laughs> oh, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. It's, yeah. yeah, we're only worried about second filial generations. Well, listen, I want to say to any Japanese people who are tuning in tonight, or anyone else like myself who is concerned about Japan, like it, they still need help in some of those northern places hit by the the floods. Of course, floods have been hitting everybody. Uh, in America too, and over in uh, Winnipeg in Canada, and they, you know, they just been—it's been there's been a lot of bad stuff happening around the world, and I don't know where to start half the time, but I try to give ten dollars at a time to everybody, you know, and just keep—if I can spare an extra ten bucks to the Red Cross, it's always a good thing. Yes, so absolutely. And we got the course, the Shining Steel. A lot of stuff going on. Shiningsteel.com that was taking funds to to go directly to some uh, Japanese Todd fans, and that was a good project. Raised a lot of money. Actually, do you want to tell, but, um, tell, people, tell people if they haven't, if they don't already know? Can you tell them again where they can, how they can help there? Yeah, shiningshow.com, and they're doing a, a fundraiser concert. Some people are for that group. Um, is it Wednesday, Mel? Tomorrow night in. Tomorrow uh, night, Horton. Yeah, and then, all the people that were, well, not all, but many of the my record fantasy campers that were in Sacramento earlier this year. Yeah, and then there was just a, you could just go to shiningsteel.com and there's a PayPal button there, and um, they raised uh, it's like what was it seven or eight thousand now? It was a lot. They yeah. Did good. And they're yeah. still doing it. I know they were helping out with several different organizations, and they were trying to do it where it directly impacted you know people that we may know from Facebook and stuff, but um, also groups that weren't necessarily so big like a Red Cross, you know, something a little bit more um, you know directly into the, to a, a system that's uh, you know, not as big and massive, and has so much going on. I guess would be a way to put it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I would. I would not gladly. The Red Cross, don't get me wrong. It's just they were looking to do it something a little bit different, and so um, you know, the more the merrier. That definitely. I would love group. to do like a Todd event, like you know those things I was telling you about in in L.A. and San Francisco. I would think it would be awesome to do some kind of maybe do it as a fundraiser in Tokyo or somewhere, maybe in Osaka. Uh, but Tokyo is probably a, the the main hub where you could do something like this and get all the every uh, every kind of Todd like cover band that's in yeah. that area and and I would also play also you know and it, and it'd be kind of a good way to sort of promote the book and just talk about Todd and get those Todd fans doing something good for other people in in Japan. It, it, I I can't organize that from here and it's certainly not something I have the money to just throw over. But right. if somebody you know if somebody wants to make it happen, we could talk about it. You know, they could maybe yeah. contact for you. There's lots um, of opportunities with that, something like that that you know haven't. They're just starting to you know kind of 
starting to come out. Once people see it, they realize how much fun it is, and then it's then it's something worth going to. Then you can start building around it. But yeah, I like that. But you know, um, I know you just finished this book, and I know you're talking about getting it done in, in Japanese and all that good stuff. But I read somewhere you had said that you could almost or you could write an entire book just on the chapter in Todd's life when he was TR-I. Is this correct? Well, that was, yeah, that was something I thought about. That was something I thought about because we, we, we really narrowed the focus. I talked to my publishers, and we basically thought we can't – for the amount of words that I was allowed to put in a book, we couldn't – I decided I would tell the one story about Todd, the, the audio like a tape recorder guy, the guy who made you know, records on two-inch tape – and then the interactive stuff, I, I always said, like, well, maybe I could make another book at another time. And so I don't know what the market is for that. I don't know who would pay me to do that, you know, but it would be mm-hmm. something. Be, uh, what I, here's what I want to do, and I haven't even talked to Todd about this, but oh. I, would love, I would love to be working with Todd on maybe him uh, doing a philosophy book about interactivity uh, that could be used as kind of a, a guidebook to, like, you know, people who weren't necessarily already Todd fans, but just about the history of interactivity, what it was like back in the days of, you know, Sid Graff and, and hanging out with the original San Francisco programmers and then talk about his role in interactivity and Patronet and things like that. And then just sort of talk about his own experiences, but also all those off you know, those TED talk level philosophies that Todd has, the things he does mm-hmm. in courses. I would be the guy who sort of helps him, you know, maybe do interviews to get that happening so that he could just, you know, talk to me on tape and I'll go make the book happen. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pitching this to Todd through you right now, actually. So uh, <laughs> I just realized. So uh, well, Lynn, if you're listening, so tell Todd. <laughs> yeah. If Michelle's listening, tell Todd. Um, yes. um, there you go. Hey, uh, so I saw I saw the uh, the young actor formerly known as Rebop uh, <laughs> on TV. What is it? that guy? Suddenly, like a movie star. Like, what's going on there? He's like, yeah, yeah he looks he's like going he's down be the road to become a, a big famous actor. I think that he is will. On, I think he's Profiles now on Facebook, a big photo album, you know, professionally done. You know, all I know is this story. I'm I'm in uh, L.A. and uh, just running through when, um, let's see, Mel and I were doing the Gary Myrick stuff, and we were at Big Door's house, and Michelle came over for just a minute, have a little toddy with us, and um, she said that he was uh, taking acting class, Rebop, and she walked over there to the place, and turns out that his coach is married to Julia Roberts' brother, Eric, and that Rebop was practicing a scene with Eric Roberts. And I was like, that's pretty damn cool. Only in L.A. could you pull that off. And I that even, fact. I think she even said that Eric Roberts really was very complimentary. Of oh, absolutely. Yeah. Pop. He was very impressed. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. He, that's, neat, that's neat. I, well, I, you know, I was really impressed with Rebop as a person, so I, I he seems like the smart kind of kid who can do anything he wants, so... So and 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 uh, you know hopefully like LA is the place that that happens for him and if not it'll be somewhere else you know. Oh, I can so, see it. Yeah, sounds like he's uh, he's already starting to make some good progress. No, that'd be good. I know he would uh, probably like do something on his own. I don't know how a lot of those um, kids of stars don't want to necessarily do exactly what their parents do. I don't blame them. So that'd be nice, and he'd be different from his brothers, of course, who played baseball. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, what yeah. a great story that would be. And all of us, you know, most people I know have got to meet Rebop at one one show or another here and there, and how nice it would be to see him on the big screen one day. We'd all get a kick out of that, I bet. Other than, of course, the Todd Stock movie, which we saw on then. Well, you know, Todd said at Todd Stock that if someone asked him, if he weren't a working musician, what do you think he would be doing? 
and uh, he said he wanted to be an actor, so maybe Rebop is 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 going to make Todd's dream come true vicariously. You know, <laughs> is um, Rebop going to be at the camp? You know, Paul? I I don't think he's not like he might. I I mean, his mother's going to be there. I think so. I mean, his mother and father are going to be there, but I don't know if he's going to be busy. You know, in L.A. I I have his name's not listed. I got the list here, and it's like kind of amazing. Like Greg Hawks, Jesse, and Chasm, and um, Lenny Kay, who was one of my favorite interviews from my book. Uh, I don't know if he's there at the exact same time as me, but that's cool. And uh, I just have, you know, I, have, I don't think I've ever uh, been on a panel with him. I don't know if I'm going to be on a panel with him, but and of course the mighty Lynn Robnett, who is like so awesome. Yeah, um, I love. I lo- she was so she really helped me make the book happen because they really. They really made Todd available for the interviews, and uh, I've you know I've always got a soft spot for Lynn Robnett over at uh, yeah they hooked you up no doubt got to go to house and everything that was great that worked out really well and yeah uh, you know uh, Pornatel too were you familiar with him no actually no Pete Pornatel did a great interview I sent it to you with Todd in 2004 for Liars it's probably the best Todd interview I've ever heard and um, mainly because of what Todd you know some of the stuff Todd says but Pete did it he's just a real good um, uh, radio interviewer. I, I really like him a lot. They've added him. It's a couple guys from this new tech business. I mean, there's 15 counselors now, and you add Todd, there's 16. So it's star-studded, no doubt about it. Yeah. So it's, 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 and what's cool for me is, like I said, I, I said, I said immediately, like, of course, I'm flattered to to go be on this kind of thing, but I'm also uh, kind of interested to have a peek at the camp. But also, um, you know, it's Todd's birthday, as it turns out, which is cool. And then. Uh, I think the night of the night of my I'm I'm doing something on the 23rd and that night I think they're playing in Woodstock, right? Uh, right. Yeah. So yeah. so I get to see after all these years I get to see Todd play in the Woodstock area, which is like you know a big part of the book takes place in the Woodstock area. So for me it's like I feel like Doris Curtin's Goodwin being invited back to Gettysburg, you know, like mm-hmm. if, if any historians out there understand what I'm talking about, <laughs> She's a, my favorite presidential historian. Um, so yeah, so but uh, it it is funny for me. A lot of these stories, like you know, when I got to meet all those people, like um, I finally met uh, uh, Roger from Utopia, and I'd spoken to him on the phone so so many times that I felt like I knew him. So when I met him in San Francisco at the uh, AWOT show, I just mm-hmm. said, uh, I said, "Hey, Roger, how's it going?" And it wasn't like pleased to meet you. It was more like 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 Mel was saying, you know, he's like. Of course, I'm just going to start talking to you. I've, I've talked to you so many times, you know. <laughs> oh, and of course, I'm happy to see Cass Sultan anywhere because uh, I've said this before, but isn't Cass Sultan like the nicest guy in the world? Like, oh, no question. Like, he's like he's just super, super awesome. I've been trying to work on my impression of him. Like, I'm not going to do it for you now, but it's just he's got that that uh, uh, what was it Staten Island accent and just like, you know, <laughs> internet. I, I didn't I didn't nail it last time, so I'm not going to try it now. But just say um, internet. Internet. Yeah, yeah, internet. Hey, you, how are you guys doing? How are you guys doing? Like, just, it's just I, I, feel, I feel like he should have his own animated cartoon show, the Cass Sultan yeah, show. Yeah, definitely. Like, well, yeah, he's nice. You mentioned Lenny K, too. He was super nice. We had him on a few weeks ago. What a great guy. He was a great interview. We had a good time with him. Lenny's super smart, you know. When I interviewed him uh, in his apartment, I, I I got the sense that he could have written the book himself. Like, he knew he knew exactly what to tell me. He knew what the good stuff was. And he, I used his quote opening the book, that thing where he says that Todd said to him, if you know what you want, I can get it for you. And if you don't know what you want, I can do it for you. And like I said to Lenny, you realize you just wrote the opening line of the book, right? And he, he said, yeah, I think so. You know, yeah, he, yeah. Said, he said that the other night when he was on the show, too. Well, um, but I missed it. What did he say? 
He actually said that quote uh, during yeah. our our interview. I don't remember, you know, what exactly he was talking about at the time, but uh, yeah, you're right. I'd heard that recently. <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't really think that it was the first time he'd ever said it when he said it to me. By the way, because I, I, you know that everybody I interviewed probably has told their Todd stories to their friends and family for 20 years, right? So, so like, a lot of people, like, it's really hard to get them past their first story. But in the case of Lenny, since he's a writer, he's a great journalist himself, he knows the best stories to tell. So I don't care if he's told them before because they're going to be good stories, you know? So That kind of makes me want to uh, pull a little question, a little answer out of you. When you're interviewing these people that probably have told these stories, you know, 10, 20 years or yeah. more, over yeah. and over and over again. I would think that their stories would eventually get, you know, kind of diluted over time. Uh, does it then become your job to really pull it out of them yeah. to get good details out of them? I can answer that. The, the trick is the trick is there's two things going on here. One is you're speaking to people quite often who are legendary, and so you want them to know at all times that you appreciate that. So I'm talking to Mark Farner from Grand Funk. You know, whatever you think of Grand Funk at any given year, uh, you know, those records were amazing. Those records made me feel great when I was 16. So I'm talking to this guy who, you know, was the guitar player in Grand Funk, and so if he starts going off on a riff and you can tell it's a riff, like talking, uh, you let him go. You say, this is great. But then if you sense that he's, like, covering for something, like if you know for a fact that there was a clash of egos. Now, I'm not talking about Mark Farner now, but if you know that there was something like XTC famously, and you know that there wasn't all all roses, and they're not telling you, and you, you feel like, but, you know, you got to pull it out of them, and you start to say, Come well, on. <laughs> and one one technique, I'm not to give away too many secrets, but one technique is to, if you've already done an interview with somebody else who's gonna t- who's already told the story, then they know that they can't lie to you, you know? I mean, they can't cover it up, because you, <laughs> so in the case of, like, I think it was the Psychedelic Furs, I was, like, very careful to I was saying, well, you know, you know, this guy said that, and then this guy said that, and then they go, oh, did he tell you that? Oh, okay. And then you, you, they realize it's probably a good idea. And, you know, people calm down after a while, and they start to – it really is a matter of asking the questions that put them in a headspace where they haven't been before. And if I may, what I hope to be able to do in my career here as I keep doing this is I hope that me being a musician who has worked in the studio, I'm hoping that I can get myself into the we're just musicians here, let's just talk. And I think that kind of does help, you know. I think it does help a lot. I think it puts people at ease. I, I don't know. I assume it does because they seem pretty calm. But, like, I've had so many interviews end, and I'm not bra- – I am bragging a little bit, but I, I'm <laughs> I'm really proud of this. I'm proud of this. I've had so many interviews end with with the guy feeling like he just talked about music with another musician for an hour, you know. And that makes me feel like that's something I want to keep doing because that's fun to do, you know. Very nice. All right. Well, hey, we got a call. I think maybe we'll talk to you. Let's confirm. Five eight five, you're with us. Yeah. Hey guys, it's uh, Tom Jennings. How are you doing tonight? Hey What's Tom, man. Hi Tom. Hi Paul. It's uh, great to chat with you again. I'm actually a caller this time, so I can ask questions, I guess, instead of a co-host. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this may seem like an odd time for it, but you know, I'm actually looking for some career advice. I, I do a lot of writing, as uh, Doug and Mel know, and. Well, they're interviewing like yourself and happened to be a history teacher. So, you know, he started talking Doris Kearns Goodwin. I'm like, wow, I can relate to this dude. But right. um, taking that next step to the book, you know, I, I, I mentioned it when I when you were on the show with me that the stuff that's out there now is some of it's pretty horrendous. The Sammy Hagar book was, you know, a bunch of trash, and you know, but I read it because I had to do a review on it and stuff. But um, 
I re- you know what? I'm really, I'm really. There's a, there's a book I got in my head, and I don't want to throw it on the, on the air. But there's one I just really want to write <laughs> about a certain musician that just fascinates me. And I think I may have some access to some of the people that they worked with. Uh, you know, if, if you can give me any kind of uh, solid direction and uh, you know get me oh. get me on the right track, I'd okay, really appreciate here's, it. Every, as you know, and I've, I've talked to like you know a lot of a lot of the journalists who reviewed my book are also writing books of their own, and and it's it's definitely we all share a certain amount of information, but it's really luck a lot of the time. I mean, uh, one of my favorite writers to ask is a guy named Bill Demain who wrote a great review in Mojo of my book, but he's uh, he's he's been working at being a, like he's been a, a, a successful writer for like 25 years or something, and he's also a great songwriter, and uh, I think. One of the things that I can share with you about this is um, I feel like you find the the book company that puts out the kinds of books either on a specific subject, like, uh, you know, so if you're writing about Metallica, you know, find a company that's had success writing about metal people, you know, and uh, uh, and then they're going to be more receptive and they're going to have uh, what they call a marketing channel. You know, they're going to have people in their chain that they know they can send that book to, you know, the best heavy metal bookstore in Cleveland or something, if there is one. Um, uh, I hope it's not Borders. Um, but uh, so, so you know, my case, I knew that the Jawbone Press, for instance, I knew that they had put out books that had some 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 similarity to the Todd Rundgren book. Uh, just, you know, they'd written about Bowie in the 70s. They'd written about, you know, they'd had their authors write about and I also like the way their books look, so I, I kind of befriended them. Something I do every year is I go to the book expo. Uh, you have to, I, I get a free pass because my wife's in publishing, so I'm cheating. But um, I go to book expo and I walk around, and there's booths there. Like they have it in New York. They, I think they have one somewhere else as well. And I go around and I go to different booths to see what companies. There's all these small press companies. You'd be surprised. Like, don't go looking for money. By the way, none of these companies will pay you a lot of money up front. So, the 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 biggest kick you'll get is the payoff of uh, pulling the book out and actually getting it done and getting paid something and then hopefully if you connect with an audience you'll meet like I did with the Todd fans I've met all these great Todd fans through this book and you know hopefully some of you will remember me on my next book and maybe check that out you know so that's whether it's it's a non-Todd topic you know like so you'll just hopefully if you enjoyed the way I told the Todd story you might dig the next book I do and so that's really it's a it's a little like uh, like uh, I don't smoke, but I've seen people who would light one cigarette with the uh, with the uh, the hot end of the last cigarette. So each book is leading to another book, you know. So it's it's a little like that. So I don't yeah, know if that's I, advice. Is that yeah, advice? Yeah, I'm not definitely. It's great advice. I mean, I, I'll tell you what scares me though, and I and I know I'm not looking to get rich because I do a lot of interviews and really there's a ton of stuff that I just don't get paid for. You know, I get tickets or whatever, and it's very much a hobby. But the fear is. I mean, you know how it is. I mean, I look at your book. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of work. And you just don't yeah. want to pour your heart into something and not have any audience whatsoever. It's like playing a gig as a musician because I've done that as well. So and maybe you've got 30 people in the audience, but they're all eating and drinking. And, you know, you're playing a song that you wrote and you're, you're pouring your heart out. And at the end of it, yeah. it's not even so much as, as, a, as some applause. And I think that all of us, uh, anyone that's in, an artist of any sort, is always looking for you know, that positive feedback, that that feel-good sensation, even if it only comes from 10 or 15 people. So I can yeah. kill myself and then have this have this, this masterpiece of in, in my own mind, which may not be a masterpiece at all, and that just have absolutely no audience for it whatsoever. You know what well, I mean? I will tell you something that, uh, and I'm giving away a secret here, but 
I had a, a psychotherapist tell me this once, which was, uh, which was, he said, you know, if you've got a passion for something and you let that passion, uh, and this isn't just, this isn't like a, a, I'm not being airy, light, you know, pie in the sky here. Literally, the passion you have for the subject is going to make you do all the hard work, right? So in the case of, like, Todd, I, I, I really did want to tell that story. And what happens is you end up being attentive to de- details. And when you're attentive to details, um, you find that you, you, it's just going to happen that you're probably going to take care of the quality, and then the quality is going to reach people. The problem is finding that audience. But you, at the end of the day, okay, for, put it this way, if nobody had – and I've been lucky with this book. People like it. But if nobody liked it, I would feel like confused, but I would also be really happy looking at the book. I could see it on my shelf and go, boy, that was, that was a fun project to put together. I really, I really pulled that off for me. And, and it sounds like crap, but it's true. There, um, I used to be in bands that tried to get record deals, and we would sometimes change our sound here and there. You know, and I'd watch these other bands go straight through the top, you know, and I'm like, how did they make it when they were just doing this, that one thing that they did? Well, it turns out the one thing that they did, they didn't care. They would do it that way no matter who liked it. But because they liked it, everyone got it. Everyone felt the energy and the truth of it, right? And I got to say, I wish I'd known that when I was a, like a 19-year-old musician because the truth is you don't – if you're not committed, it's not going to happen. And, what, and by happening, I mean, like, if I have a CD that I really enjoyed making and I love the songs on it, that CD is still going to be my CD at the end of the day. So if nobody ever hears it, I can still throw that on at one in the morning and go, that's a good song. You know, and that, that is, you can't, no one can give you that power. You know, that's your power. You know, that's all I'm going to say. I'm preaching that. Well, I could, I, I could say, Paul, I could just listen to you talk all night. <laughs> I really can. It's just. <laughs> I, I feel like I was getting into the Tony Robbins area there a little bit, so I just want to—I just want to back down a little bit and say that you know the opinions expressed by Paul Myers do not reflect the station. <laughs> yeah, regardless of what your psychotherapist says, I still have that innate need for people to love me in some way, shape, or form, and definitely the art that I produce as well. You know, I'm going to get Doctor Phil. I'm going to get Doctor Phil on you now and ask you: Do you love yourself, Tom? Tom, do you love yourself? Because if you don't love yourself. Is it, is it like you can't show the film unless if the lens is muddy on the projector? You know, you, you just got to – somebody said that recently. I love that. I think it's Rick Overton, a comedian, said that. If, if the projector is broken, you, no one's going to see the film. You know what I mean? You're like, you just got to – just do it, man. Just be – put the love into it and risk it a little bit. That's, maybe that's the gamble. That's the gamble. But I tell you, the gamble pays off. Well, that music, What Happened book is great. I just – I actually read that, and I just thought yeah, it was really awesome. fascinating. And it wasn't what I expected when I bought it. I kind of expected it to be sort of, you know, beginning to end and, you know, just sort of a, a textbook type thing. But, boy, it was, a lot of, it was a lot of fun. It was a very fun read. I, I kind of blew through it a couple of days and scratched my head and go, man, why the heck didn't I think of this? It's just such a great, uh, a great way. And just his observations about songs And Scott grew out of his blog, eh? Like, so he, he, he would just write his blog entries, and so he's chipping away at it every day. You know, and he's writing all about his observations, but because he's got such passion for the music, and if you've met Scott, he's the nicest guy in the world, just absolutely loves music, and he's writing about it from that pure place, and then he collects them all, and then he, you know, he actually self-published that word through his through his company, like it's it's a small publisher, so the he, you know, he's not looking for, he didn't expect Doubleday to put that book out, but then now he can sell that book everywhere, and I'll I'll bet you. Dollars to Donuts, there's an expression I like from Canada. I'll bet you dollars to Donuts that every time Scott Miller sells a book, he feels that one-to-one connection with the person who bought it, right? Because he knows that they get what he's doing, you know? 
And it's it's better than having a bestseller sometimes. I mean, we all want a bestseller, but yeah, anyway, I mean, we have, we have very similar approaches in that, you know, when he writes about a song, he doesn't write it as, like, you were talking earlier about rock critics, you know, and I think, um, Doug, you were talking, too, about how the, the critics are hating, you know, the car's current tour, and I kind of pulled some stuff up on YouTube and thought, <laughs> you know, their job is to rip into Rick Ocasek, but, you know, I listen to the album, I think it's good, I see the YouTube videos, and if I was a Cars fan, man, I would just be so freaking happy that there's nothing that these boneheads could say that's going to take that emotion away from me and, and when I write about an album review I don't do the the critique I go okay if you love music you love this type of music this is the album that's for you because I don't see any other value in ripping apart something because music lovers love music for what it is you know exactly no I think you just said it right and it, yeah, and like you know I mean I've stopped I've stopped listening to like hipsters and I've stopped listening to like even reactionary, it's like, so it's one thing is that Brooklyn hipsters, right? That's one thing, because they're always looking for the brand new, the brand new, the brand new, like, and they're trying to own something that nobody else has heard. That's cool. But there's also another reactionary who says, like, they're never going to listen to hardcore rap because they just hate all those rap people. And I don't want to be that either, you know? I just want to be the guy who just sort of feels like you just sit there with it and you go, okay, just say something to me. Like, Arctic Monkeys. I love the Arctic Monkeys. I, that doesn't mean I'm telling you that every band from England all the time is great, although for me there's a higher success rate. Um, but the Arctic Monkeys connected with me, and I don't know why that is, and I don't know, I don't know if I expect them to be the biggest band ever. I think they're doing quite well, you know. But like, that's just one to one, and I don't, you can't take that away from me, you know. So anyway, I appreciate appreciate this discussion. I don't know if uh, if uh, Doug and Mel want the show back. <laughs> hey, we love it when our guests talk. That's why we have them. Hey Tom. <laughs> yeah. Tom, if your book ends up being about. Mr. Rundgren or somebody connected to Mr. Rundgren, you know what show you can come on to pimp it. Well, yeah, I, I do it. Well, the person that I have in mind, I've got man, I've got two people in mind. One of them is is connected uh, to Mr. Rundgren, and, and obviously I think they you know I'd have some connections to people to do the interviews. And it's just a book that I've kicked around in my head. It was somebody that I met that played with him many years ago that had a, a very strong impression on me, and, and I just still can't believe that no one's written a book, book about this person. I'm probably giving away a lot of who it possibly is. But I, I live in Rochester. <laughs> I, live in, uh, I live in Rochester, New York, and um, I'm actually friends with a guy who played in Lou Graham of Foreigner's first band. Um, so I have, I mean, Lou's in the Rochester area's studios out here and everything. So if he'd agree to it, um, I, you know, I could. I could probably work with him, but he just has never seemed to be interested in something like that. And I think a guy like him would probably not want to work with a guy like me because I'm not established. Whereas somebody like Paul, who's got a couple books under his, um, you know, under his belt, could say, "Oh, you know, Lou, come on, work with me." Well, you know, I, I mean, those are things I think you have to consider as well. And, and besides, no, also, with Lou Graham, I'm not as passionate about. You know, and I, I think in your writing with the Wizard book, you could tell you were a Todd fan, but. Also, if you read that book and you weren't a Todd fan, you'd still like that book a lot, you know. Oh, and that's the that. kind of book I want to write. Yeah, me too. It's a book I want to write. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> that's exactly what I want to do. When I when I pitch the book to, because I'm lucky that my wife is 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 not uh, a musician and she's not she's not like as she's not as um, she's just pretty down the middle about stuff. And she said to me, I said to her like. I want to write a book that you would dig. You know, I want to write a book that where you are interested in music, but you don't. You're not as deep about it as, as I am. But you're going to read it and get it. You know, and that's kind of I have a target in mind, and that's Lisa, my wife, sometimes. So, so you know, and that's 
you know, and I trust her, of course, that's the other thing you have to, the person, the person who you endow that to has to be someone you trust, you know. Uh, I'd say if you do all the, all the homework that you have to do, because you have to write proposals and stuff like that, and really think it through and treat it like it's already existing, treat the book like it already exists, and in your proposal, describe it to yourself as though it's written. So tell, tell yourself what it is and what it isn't. You know, it's going to be about Lou Graham, say, and it's going to be about this, this, and this. And like, uh, I, you know, Actually, you just reminded me. There's another book that I, I I can't tell you about that I'd love to write. That um, I just yeah, I'm, I'm right now trying to make a second proposal. I'm working on one book, but I'm trying to make a proposal for this other book in case everything goes wrong with the one book. <laughs> and like so, I sort of have a file on my computer where I just add stuff to it all the time. And you almost write a press release for the book as though it exists. You know, the new book by Paul Myers about you know about Neil Armstrong's home demos. You know, it's not really about Neil Armstrong's home demos, but I chose that as an example. Although, wouldn't you want to hear that? Anyway. I'm going to be honest with you, Paul. That was the book that I was going to write. You actually just uh, stole the idea from me, so now the whole thing's out the window. Neil Armstrong's home demos. Yeah, because when he was up there on the moon, he had all these song ideas. One was about golf, strangely enough. But yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And he worked anyway. with Todd, so, you know, there was the Todd connection, I think. That's right. Neil Armstrong did that album with Todd. That's right. Yeah. He was and on Nearly Human everybody was on Nearly Human. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nearly, n- nearly Moon Man, I think. Yeah, Nearly Moon Man. Didn't Todd win a Moon Man? There's your connection. Anyway, I, okay. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, hey, thank anyway. you very much. I'll let you guys have your show back. And, Paul, you know, I, I hope you just become the uh, – Alec Baldwin of Rungren Radio because I said I can I can certainly I can just listen to you every time you come on. I get my five time jacket oh. soon, right? <laughs> All right, Doug and Mel. Remember, Thanks. if you need someone in the driver's seat, some I'm still kicking around here somewhere. Oh, believe me, we we keep that in mind. We definitely will do that again. Okay. Yep. All right. Great night, guys. All right, Tom C. Man. Backstage Hi. access with X's Tom Jennings. Backstage access dot com. All right, so Paul, what do you think about press releases, man? They help you out a lot. Were you uh, who did you use? Did you use um, PR Newswire uh, to get press releases out about my book? Yeah. What, what are you asking me? Who did I, you I, use? What service? You or didn't did you use have... anybody? Uh, when my book was coming out, the uh, Jawbone Press uh, had just lost their press guy to go do another job, so uh, he basically told me that the book had been mailed out, and he gave me a few names. Uh, the the guy who at Jawbone Press, and then I was on my own, and so uh, I learned pretty fast how to how to send out emails to people and how to get people interested. And and uh, frankly, I probably would have done a better job if I'd been working with a professional. But um, this this gets back to the passion. If you've got the passion, you're going to go out there and you know, like the equivalent of uh, putting up posters in your town. You know, like uh, you get you get the the paste out and you get the posters out and you put them on telephone poles. That's really, it never gets any easier than that, <laughs> you know. And the thing is, if you've got the passion, the fuel is there to to do that extra phone call that you need to do, you know. As you know from promoting the the A Watch shows and the uh, healing shows, you know, like it's you got to you got something you want to pull off, and it has to go well, and no one else is going to get it the way you get it. So, so there you go. Yeah, we're always trying to figure out some way to get the word out, spread the good word. That's well, you're lucky with social networking. You guys are on the social networking tip, and it's pretty, you know, the, between the Internet radio and the Facebook and all these other things, it's like, it's pretty well, you know, this is pretty much where it's at right now. It's like, you know, I, 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 there was a time when I would have said to somebody, oh, I'm doing an Internet radio show tonight, and they would have thought, oh, that's great, let me know when you're on a real radio. But nobody <laughs> says that anymore. But nobody says that anymore. 
that. People just go, yeah. oh, cool, what's the URL? You know? Yeah. Nobody mm-hmm. thinks it's weird to be on the internet radio, you know? Because it's it's, it's, it's amazing. Better. I don't know how you look at blog talk outside of this show, but it's amazing some of the guests and people that some of these other shows have. It's, it's, they do well, well. I mean, you know, big celebrities are on blog talk radio, politicians, you name it. So, yeah, the world's a changing. That's true. Um, one thing I wanted to say, this is off topic, is my very good friends from Canada is a band called Sloan. And if you follow me on Facebook, you know that I, I love those guys. And they're really good, but they just put out their 10th album. They've been together 20 years, and they've made, I think, their best album. It's called The Double Cross. And I just thought, I, just, I don't have a, an album to promote for myself right now, but i got to say, Sloan's album, The Double Cross, if you, it's, if you like uh, sort of like melodic power rock, you know, with lots of harmonies, and I think a lot of the Todd fans will like this. And I don't know if you've ever heard a Sloan album before, S-L-O-A-N, and the album's called The Double Cross. It's on Yep Rock in the States and Outside Music in Canada. And it's, it's just, you know, my kind of music. I mean, if I was, if I was, I sometimes wish I was in that band. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. I, well, that's, I'm it, glad you spelled it. It's in it. my mind that if, if I'm talking to somebody who likes music, I should tell them about that. It just came out uh, last week. So, What are some so, other Canadian bands you like? All I can think of off the top of my head is Loverboy. No, you know, I, I, can I just say that Mike Reno from Loverboy is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in rock. Uh, I, I was never a huge fan, but who who didn't love working for the weekend, right? A perfect theme uh, song. Yeah, I mean that is exactly. So I mean they they had their moment in the sun, and it was a great moment. And uh, I and those are all nice people too. That's the thing. Like that's the other thing about rock and roll. When, if you've been around long enough, chances are you you were not uh, an a hole, you know, because uh, uh, it's it it really is true. You, if you stab people in the back, they're you're not going to be around very long. So the guys like the Loverboy who can go out there and play a NASCAR rally, they can go and make a whole bunch of money playing for like you know a half hour between races somewhere, and <laughs> people love them still because yeah. and that's working you know and they're working they might be actually working on the weekend rather than for the weekend but they're still <laughs> they're 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 in their fans adore them and they are super nice people easy to work with those guys sound checks are probably the easiest for the audio guys because they're they're not divas you know and. Um, I, yeah, I, I had the pleasure of uh, watching the Academy Awards with Mike Reno at a party at someone's house once, and I've never met a guy who was more interested in movies. And it was like, I kept reminding myself, oh yeah, that's the guy from Loverboy. You know, like <laughs> it's weird. I never would have thought we'd be sitting there talking about the merits of, of Werner Herzog. You know, and it was like, it's pretty awesome. Now you cool. got another story you can tell at the uh, camp in June. You just reminded me. That's true. And yeah, that's true. There's there's some chunks for sure, like from from those stories. Like that wasn't even like a journalist gig. That was just hanging out. But it is true. And like I remember, oh, actually, this is name dropping. But I met Mike Reno that night, and then Cheap Trick were playing in Vancouver like three days later. And I said I'm going to see Cheap Trick, and he said, Oh, we're going to see that. And then of course I get backstage because I'd interviewed Rick Rick Nielsen uh, at uh, on the radio, and so I came to the show, and I'm backstage, and I hadn't interviewed Robin Zander. So I, I go over to Robin Zander and say, hey, I'm sorry I didn't interview I wish I could have interviewed you the other day. And I interviewed Rick, and he says, oh, cool, man, and he's super nice, right? Then Mike Reno walks up and goes, Rick! And they used to tour together, Cheap Trick and, uh, and Loverboy. Uh, and uh. they sat there, and they talked um, a little bit family, a little bit about, you know, uh, you know, uh, how's the wife, how's the house, and blah, blah, blah. What are you guys playing? Oh, we're doing this NASCAR thing. And, and it was like I, it's, I suddenly clicked on something. Like these guys, you know, these guys – are just super awesome people who are working hard and making people happy. And 
it's like that whole snob thing that I used to have when I was a young punk rock kid about, you know, the dinosaur bands, they should all die, you know. It's like, no, just go off and have a career, you know, go and do your thing. It doesn't affect me that they're having a good time, you know. And, of course, I love Cheap Trick, so it's like, you know, there's a band that I will see any time at any casino they're playing, you know, like, and, and, and I kind of wish they were playing the Enorma Dome in that town, but if they're only playing the casino, I'll still go there, you know. <laughs> Y'all could do there a class, you and... Uh... Prairie Prince, and some of them do how to be a rock star and not be a diva. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good class. Yeah, that would be actually kind of a neat book to write, actually. Yeah. I, I don't know. People seem to care more about trash stories than nice guy stories, but. Oh, no, but we I, like I, nice. I, yeah. I mean, there's some great, you know, like we mentioned earlier, Chasm being nice. I mean, there's some of them that are just super nice. And whether, you know, they're playing it up or not doesn't matter. I mean, they're just really nice and good to fans. And, and Prairie Prince is a great example. And, of course, you mentioned um, Reno. So, yeah, there would be some good stories there. Well, you know, the thing is it's a choice to be nice, too. So even if someone is putting it on, you say to mm-hmm. yourself, they could have also put on the other thing. That's true. You know? Like I was just talking to Alice Cooper. Again, name drop, but I I want to do a book on Alice Cooper, and I think it's probably going to happen. Yeah. I, I I haven't signed the contract yet, but it, Alice is in, and it's like – and he's talking about super nice. Like that guy – my main fear about doing this book is that I don't golf, right? So I'm, I'm not sure how I'm going to get him off the golf course to talk to me. But he, he said he's interested in telling, like, the Alice Cooper stories about recording and Bob Ezrin and, and the band and the Alice Cooper band, the classic era. And, sure. and I, just, I would love to do it just because I want to talk to him some more because he was such a great guy to talk to. Within 10 minutes, he told me so many amazing – this is just in a pre-interview, just to hang out and talk and uh, introduce ourselves. And uh, by the end of it, I'm like, God, I like that guy, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, super awesome guy. He was back funny as hell, too, in one of your brother's movies. But he's a great guy. And his story, I've seen it, like, on VH1, one of those shows. It's great, some of his tours and how theatrical they are. He's actually going to be at the Akron Civic Theater scene. Um, what a That's great right. showman. He's still out there doing it. And then he just turns that character off like nobody's business. In his oh, yeah, normal... I didn't realize, like, for instance, he's, like, a serious Christian. Like, he, he quit drinking 20 years ago, I guess, now, or maybe more than that. And he's, like, a serious Christian and totally evangelical about golf. As well, yeah. golf and God. Yeah. And you know, his dad was like, a preacher. You know, his dad was a preacher, man. And um, but he, re- he rebelled when he was younger, who, right? You better catch. You better, this, you better get this book done by Saturday, brother. I was sort of thinking he won't be around. He's going to be gone. Tell me how that thing works <laughs> with with the, the rapture. Will I be able to maybe take a shuttle out to wherever you guys are? Because like, no. I, I, I still will have questions for you after Saturday. So you just pretend so. it's an elevator. His is going up and yours is going down. Yeah, well, I spent a great part of my 20s in hell, so I, I, I'll probably know a lot of people there already. But um, We're all going to heaven because we've already been through hell. There you exactly. go. Uh, I believe they, they, it was once said, if you want to get to heaven, you've got to raise a little hell. So there yeah, you go. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, hey, we only got a minute left. You, you, uh, you stayed on longer than you said, which is good. We always like. Oh, well, yeah, and my wife is waiting for me. She's standing on a rainy street okay. corner in You get final word. Give it up. Anyway, so listen, thanks for thanks for having me on all the time. It's really fun. And I, I will get my fifth time jacket, I swear. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks a lot, Paul. Have fun at camp. Sure yeah, yeah. Great we'll maybe I'll call you from there. Okay, right, bye. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Bye, Mel. Excuse me. Lord. Bye. Um, thanks, is Paul. Is the gig on Tuesday night, Mel? What night is that? Um... Eight? Oh, I don't think so. I think the gig is on uh, Thursday night, Wednesday or Thursday. I think Todd's birthday may be on a Tuesday night. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, we um, ran out of time, but I'm going to go ahead and start it. I want to play Last Ride from Columbus. So I'm going to do it anyway. You can listen to it in the archives. You'll get a few minutes here, and then you'll get tortured by Blog Talk's other stuff. 
Peace out. We'll see you next Tuesday, most likely. I think we got some stuff lined up. Y'all take care now. Bye-bye. Don't forget to email me if you're going to the Chasm Show. We're going to do a pre-meet-up dinner and have some fun, all the fans, in Bordentown, New Jersey. Peace out.
everybody, this is Todd Rundgren, and you're listening to RundgrenRadio.com. You are the crest of the crown, my friend. Well, thank you so much for your support. 